the blast from our past network. Hey, it's Caleb Emery, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. And enjoy this bonus episode of Podcasting After Dark. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark. We are a cult movie podcast primarily, but sometimes we like to do something a little bit different. I'm Corey. Joined with me, as always, is Zachy Poo. What's up, buddy? I don't know. I was trying to do some cool video game sound effect. <laughs> I know. I was trying some out on my wife before before we started. I was like, bleep, bloop, blop. And I was like, eh, that doesn't work. <laughs> bleep, bleep, blop, Babcock, Finch, Finch, Babcock. Exactly. What did you know, bitch? <laughs> uh, yay, I'm doing great. I'm excited for this episode. I'm uh, ready to dig deep into a genre where we haven't trekked all that much, if not at all. Yeah, no, this is so. So, what we're doing is our top eight obscure 80s video games. And the cool thing is, we did a bonus episode like this a year ago, and that was our top eight obscure 80s toy lines. And so, Zach and I were talking offline a couple weeks ago, and we're like, man, we want to do another one of these top eight obscure 80s things, um, and maybe try to even do them like once a year, once a season, you know? And I kind of just threw at Zach because, like, why don't we do video games because we were both children of the 80s we both uh, are latchkey kids who played a lot of fucking video games when we were kids yeah. just like we watched a lot of fucking movies whether we should or shouldn't have and uh, i think it fits right in it fits right in with our toys that we talked about last year so i'll include a link to that one if you guys haven't listened to it i think it's i think it's a fun one to go back and revisit and people really like that one so i hope they all they like this one too oh yeah that one was so much fun and and here's the thing about you know, video games and, and toys go hand in hand as far as the 80s are concerned. It was really the 80s when, and I think we can speak to that quite well because we are uh, aficionados of this decade. And they go hand in hand because they just really started peaking at that time. Um, and and this, to me, is the greatest decade for entertainment in general, yeah. movies, video games, cartoons, TV shows, uh, toys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, that goes hand in hand, you know. So it, it it only makes sense that we would follow up that episode with this episode. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I'm going to just touch on my past. And, you know, Zach, obviously, you'll you'll tell about yours. But, like, growing up in the 80s, single mom, you know, lived with, with her. And I would spend a lot of my time, you know, exploring the woods and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I played outside a lot, but I also played a lot of video games, primarily at night or on the weekends or when it rained or something. But I felt like I had a nice mixture of being outside. Now, that being said... 
Like, I don't know how it would have been if I had grown up in this day and age, because let's be honest, man, the graphics on the video games now are just insane, and they just really suck you in, but there's something charming about these old 8-bit graphics that also, like, really forced my imagination to kind of work to fill in the gaps in between the pixels, you know, and, and really kind of have fun with that, so... I did play a lot of video games as a kid, but I didn't play so much that it was like all I did. I was outside a lot, you know. What What about you, buddy? Similar, very similar. Uh, you know, I moved from Michigan out to California in 84. And right when um, game consoles and arcades were just like blowing up all over the place, right? I think Nintendo had it hadn't launched just yet, but Atari was in full effect we had an Atari, uh, but I didn't play it all that much. It was really the arcades in the bay, in in San Jose and Cupertino before they were known as like Silicon Valley. Uh, that I found my safe haven. You know, I I would I I would ride my bike or walk to the local mall after school every day uh, instead of going home when I could do that and when it, when I was not getting attempted kidnapped or anything crazy like <laughs> or that or something yeah right and i would go there by myself it was the same thing i did with movies i go to the movie theater by myself i go to the arcade by myself and i go to this place called tilt it was my favorite arcade uh game uh arcade in the bay area uh our, our good body our our good fan uh and friend dean is probably very familiar with that area because I'm sure he went there too. Um, but at Valco Fashion Mall, which is now like where Apple's hub base is, <laughs> it's not even what it used to be anymore. Anyways, Tilt was the bomb, you know, with the awesome um, carpet on the ground and just every game console you could think of, every arcade cabinet, the, 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 the top ones, the new ones, the old ones, everything else in between. And I dunked more quarters in that place than I've ever dunked in my entire life anywhere else. So, uh, yeah, this, this, this episode, it was so much fun to kind of reminisce and go down a deep dive of like, well, what truly are my top eight? And, it, and I determined that in the sense that what were the eight games to me that I would play repeatedly nonstop, always come back to? Wouldn't have a problem spending $5 worth of tokens on. Uh, wouldn't have a problem, you know, pausing on my game console and hoping that my TV didn't freeze or the game didn't freeze the next morning when I woke up. You know, <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. So, <laughs> I know. Before you could save games. Yeah, know, I'm not yeah. a gamer now. I'm not. Like my, my son is, is kind of into video games a little bit. He's really into toys, which is great. But I, I appreciate and, and, and love what the industry has become. But man, oh man, like what we're about to journey down into right now are some titles that, you know, for me, like nothing beats it. N yeah. You know, no current game in my opinion is, is as good as, as some of this stuff. Cause you have to go back to that time. And when in 1986 and 1985, like this was all you had. Yeah. And, and you were blown away by some of the concepts, yeah, some, some of the, the story building. It, if, if the graphics aren't great, some of the concepts were mind blowing and freaking awesome. Um, it does bring up a good point. I was thinking about what was going to be on this list. And 
I was more of a an Atari 2600 and then NES guy, a little bit of some arcade stuff. And by the way, my arcade of choice was Putt-Putt. You know, I would go for, for the mini golf and then play <laughs> course, the arcade stuff, of course, you know. Um, but I never had like a Sega Master System. So I was like, oh, I don't know if you did. So I was curious, like how much I like, like how much crossover we're actually going to have. Um, but yeah, dude, I... I I actually didn't play a lot of arcade games, and this conversation actually will kind of probably bleed into, like, the 90s as well. I didn't get to go to the arcade a lot, but I did a little bit and played some, but, like, I played the home console, like, the home versions of everything. So, like, my favorite version of Mortal Kombat 2 is the Super Nintendo version, you know, versus, like, the arcade. So I just... I don't know if it was a money thing or whatnot, but, you know, I never had any money when I was a kid to go spend at the arcade. But when I did, when I did, it was mostly like putt-putt, and it was a lot of, like, 8-bit stuff. is like, you know, Operation Wolf and things like that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, dude, like... Just watching, like, just watching the videos to prep for this, like, obviously, all I did was just watch a bunch of playthroughs, and, you know, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, some of these graphics are great, you know, like, even, I, I, they are great, even though they're so simple, and I think that, like, if you just look at this as somebody who's, like, you know, 10 years old in 2021, yeah, you're like, okay, that looks like trash, but, like, us, who we've grown up with these games, and now we see, like, insane graphics, but I think we can go back and appreciate some of the, the quainter stuff, and I've been a gamer my entire life. I still game to today, but obviously games are so much different now. There's a different kind of progress system to them, right? But if you watch the unveiling video, the the announcement video that I put up on Instagram uh, today, last week when, you know, obviously when you're listening to this, um, you saw me standing in front of the Star Wars arcade machine cabinet by Arcade 1-Up, that company. They're awesome. They put out, like, actually affordable arcade machines and i've been playing the shit out of that and it's reminded me how much fun it is to just chase a score like like every time i play i'm not trying to do anything but get a better score and there is just something simply primordial fun about that I, i don't know how to explain it but the games that I play now that with the graphics that are just like a million times better than those vector graphics. And yet I still find myself gravitating back to this and just trying to topple my top score, you know? Yeah. I, I was never, the score was never the, like what I strove for in a game. Yeah. But, um, I was always about the storyline. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Ultimately. Uh, but I, I had the Sega master system, with those cool little cards that you would insert. Uh, and you know, you'd get this traditional box and inside all there would be, would be a little card sometimes if, if, if it was a card game, <laughs> which is really funny. If you think about it, um, I was more partial to that than the NES and, and yeah, man, like did, I, did you also have an NES as well? My brother ended up getting an NES okay, okay. and I, would hoard my lunch money and skip eating lunch so I could go to the <laughs> the arcade after school. My mom's like, are you eating enough every day? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. How, how <laughs> far like was the arcade from your house? Like, how, how long would it take you to get there? It was pretty far from the house, but but from school, it, it was like, like a 10, 15-minute walk. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Which was cool back in fourth grade, you know. I, or third grade, third grade is when I was going there. Different Eight time, old, guys. Dude. Different times. <laughs> Eight years old, I was walking from yeah, yeah. I mean, trip out on that, you know. Eight, eight years old, I'm walking home from 
uh, school to the arcade by myself, you know, stranger danger everywhere in effect. And, uh, yeah, like I, I, I have, like I said earlier, I appreciate what, what, uh, what the technology has turned into now, but man, the old school stuff, like, and this is what I love about what you said is that you're not super familiar with the Sega master system games. And there were some great Sega master system games and the crossover was very nil because Sega and Nintendo had such a battle back in the day. In fact, there's a documentary on Amazon prime that I just watched the trailer for. It's called the video game battles, I think. And it's about the war between Sega and Nintendo in the, in the mid eighties and how, uh, I mean, at least from the trailer, it looked like, Sega was kind of the bad guy in a sense. Oh yeah, they were the bad boys, man. It was Sonic, the Hedgehog Shit, from Genesis. Man. And this, yeah, before Gen, this is yeah, this yeah, looks yeah. like it's taking place once Genesis was created. Uh, I'm more a Master System. Like yeah. I was more. They had more generic games where, and I prefer the generic games because I always thought I always liked, um, you know, creating my own characters. You know, with G.I. Joe, I would do that, make my own characters with those Marvel figures, the Secret Wars and the superpowers, making them, taking those guys and making them into something else. And then actually leads into one of my games. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I created a whole world based on one of the video games that I played incessantly. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, yeah. Well, let's, let's jump into it because we do have potentially 16 games to talk about if we don't have any any crossover so zach i assume you want to just do normal sort of watch list protocols whereas uh if you know if if you say your eighth your eighth game you're gonna go first say your eighth game is my fifth one we'll talk about it when we get to the the higher number the lower number higher on the list you know what i mean yeah sure so okay so Kick us off with your number eight obscure '80s video game. Okay, my my first, uh, my the some of these are in order. Some of them are like, oh, but I, they're kind of the same. Anyways, uh, my number eight is the nineteen originally came out in nineteen eighty four, but it's the nineteen eighty four arcade classic Kung Fu Master. Oh, good one, buddy. Good one. Apparently known as Spartan X in Japan. Um, Data East. Data East will come up again in this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> maybe more than uh, a couple times. Oh, but Kung I, Fu you Mas- know, it's weird. I don't have any Data East on mine, but I have, I have actually oh. have a couple Tatoes, so those will okay. be for me. Okay, that'll come up for me, I think, as well. Anyways, um, yeah, Kung Fu Master I love because it was one of the first kind of storyline games that I remember playing. It's it's loosely based. Well, actually not loosely. It's pretty much based off of the final sequence of Game of Death with Bruce Lee, where he enters this um, multi-leveled house and has to battle different bad guys, ultimately culminating with the, the main bad guy. Uh, in this game, the main bad guy is Mr. X, and he has to rescue his... Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you control a guy named Thomas. And I, I like... I For this, I love Wikipedia. Yeah. Because Wikipedia will f- reveal the names of these characters that I've known to love and just call them something else. I called him Bruce Lee for the longest, because he looks like Bruce Lee, right? But he's, he's like a white gi with, like, black... Um 
shoulder arm things. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's and it's you're right. It is nice that Wikipedia gives you that because I, I recognize this game. I've I've played this game. It's not on my list, but like I couldn't tell you who the bad guy was. I couldn't tell you even what the main character's name was. You know, no, neither did I. And, and his girlfriend's his girlfriend's name is Sylvia. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't know that either. I'm sure, it's hilarious. Sure. But sure. dude, I remember this game, dude. And and but and it's different. It's different than Kung Fu, right? It's different than the Kung Fu game. But is it a is it an, an like a sequel to it? If do you even know that? No, so so it's different from that. Uh, it was different from the Kung Fu in the sense that Kung Fu was like just one screen and you battled one guy yeah. in the screen and then it would dip. You know the, the the backgrounds would change and the characters would change. This is like a side scrolling game, somewhat. Okay. Uh, you know, you're walking, guys are coming across the screen, you're kicking them. And it was one of the, apparently one of the first kind of beat beat 'em up games. Um, and yeah, oh, which which gave way to Streets of Rage, all that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. In, in this the, is in the 90s. this is the Godfather. Yeah, you know, this is the precursor to so many games, so many fighting games. Uh, co- must bow down to the master, the Kung Fu master. And did you play it in the arcade first? Was that where you? Yeah, I played it originally in the arcade, and then obviously when it came out for NES, I played that as well. Um, and the graphics were a little bit different. The gameplay was a little bit different. Yeah. I just love. I mean, because I spent so much time in an arcade, shit, my mom, my mom had a good friend at a bar. Uh, who, so I go to the bar all the time with my mom and I'd sit at the, the tabletop game playing the video games there while she was talking to her friend, uh, <laughs> drinking Shirley Temples. Oh man, I miss Shirley Temples. I, I wish it was socially acceptable for me to order a Shirley Temple. There's nothing wrong with you ordering a Shirley Temple. <laughs> There's everything wrong with a 43-year-old man ordering a Shirley Temple. Excuse me, miss. Can I have a Shirley Temple? Can I have a Shirley Temple? And fun Gary. fact, I can I can tie the uh, cherry stem in a knot with my tongue. Just one little, you know that. And then I choke on it. By the way, who the fuck can do that? And that is I well, I know I know people in the past that could do that. And, that's, um, that's crazy. I always thought that was a crazy talent to do. That's a crazy talent. I'm impressed. <laughs> sincerely. Uh yeah, so so, so uh number 8 is Kung Fu Master. Okay, and I was going to say, um, even though I don't have any Data East on my list, I will always remember Bad Dudes as as a Data East game. So. Oh, you might remember it again later. I, <laughs> I kind of have a suspicion that I will. <laughs> All right. My number eight is a side-scrolling shooting game, and it is the 1988 Konami... A pseudo sequel to Gradius called Life Force. Um, it, in um, Japan, it was called Salamander, uh, which actually I thought was actually a really cool name. Yeah, but I kind of like that. For for me, I played the shit out of it as at, over at Luke's house. I I believe um, it was I believe it was Luke's house. But one thing that I loved about it was the cover for it. I'll have to post a picture of on, on Instagram. But it's it's your typical Gradius thing where it's a spaceship fighting a bunch of space aliens. But the cover for Life Force was really fucking slick with this like snake headed alien creature that you were kind of in your ships all tiny so that thing's like huge you know um and you know like gradius it features like a level up ability you can kind of pick up these little things that level your ship up so you can get extra like laser bolts and missiles and stuff and i don't believe that gradius the the stage really changed i I don't know offhand i can't really remember but in life force 
because the the enemies and, and the environment was kind of organic, it would actually move and change while your ship was flying through it. So that would add an extra bit of hazard to it. But That's cool. yeah, and you know, this is this is number eight because you know I I don't think I ever beat it, but I do remember fondly just looking at the cover popping it in and always having a good time with it. And I just remember playing it much more than I ever played Gradius. I, I don't know why, probably literally because of the cover. You know, it, it, sometimes when you're a kid, man, you know, as well as I do, when you're like 10 years old, sometimes it boils down to that. It does. And, and sometimes that can be, um, uh, totally fulfilling. And sometimes that can be a huge disappointment mm-hmm. because sometimes the, the art for these games was so phenomenal. Yeah. Um. There, there's a coffee table book for like, the Atari games of all yeah. the dude. Whoever that artist is, like that would that did the Defender cover, the Missile Command cover. Yeah. Um. I want that book because I have always loved that art style, and and I've never seen anyone look like that ever again, like art wise. You know. No. I. I would. I mean. Dare I say, if we had the room, I would love to have prints on the wall of those things, you know? At, at, least, a, at least a couple of the iconic ones, like Defender or something. Yeah, you know? but it's such a. But then you play the game and you're like, oh. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, real quick, I had to drop three games from this list because one was 1979 and two were in 1990. I was like, God damn it, 1990? <laughs> 1990 was really, 89-90 was really when shit was taken off in a good way. Yeah. Oftentimes people think, oh, the, you know, the mid-80s were the, the peak of so many great things. The late 80s, early 90s were really good too. I yeah. say 92 is when things started to suck. <laughs> at least well, for movies and yeah. music well and, and, and zach and i talked at Fashion. some point uh we're gonna want to do a, a 90s uh video game one obscure 90s one and uh that might actually be a patreon exclusive whenever we do that i think we're thinking about doing that this year but because because yeah. doing this i was like you i was like oh remembering a couple that i was like and i don't want to mention them now because they're definitely gonna be on the 90s list but i was like oh i'm gonna put that one on there oh it's it's 1990 so like i literally have like uh, probably a third of my 90s list already done <laughs> oh perfect okay i'm gonna have to dig a little deeper because i was surprised that many of these games did come out in the 80s i was like oh it's gonna be 90s and i texted you too i was like dude be careful you know like check wikipedia and you're like no I, i'm good um yeah, but no I, I was gonna say really quick to your game yeah um uh life force i remember that game i remember remember playing that game i love the the, the building on to your ship mm-hmm. i feel like robotech came out with a game um that kind of ripped off it just it, it had the same I, I don't know what you call it the same skin or whatever like the same uh, template and and where you could build your Veritech fighter uh, I don't know if it was similar or not so so I don't know which one you're specifically referring to but when I worked at Funko Land I got a game came in that. I don't remember how they told me about it, but I could play it on the Nintendo there. So it wasn't region specific, but I think it was a Japanese exclusive. And I'm playing through it, and it is 100% Contra, but your character is not a Rambo-looking dude. It is a mech, like, Robotech-looking thing. That's cool. And, but every, cause I knew at that point, I mean, this was probably like 94, 95 or something, but I knew Contra like the back of my hand. So I'm playing it, and I'm like, oh, like I didn't, I don't know though if Contra maybe was a reskin of this and just came out in America as Contra, but it was cool because your character looked exactly like a fucking Robotech 
in you know not guardian mode uh robot mode i think it was right yeah guardian oh, is yeah. the halfway so mode cool. i know so dude. Cool. I, I love robotech by the way um but that was always an oddity to me and i i to this day, I didn't, I couldn't buy it from the person because it wasn't in her system. So she couldn't, and she was like, oh, "I'll sell it to you." I didn't have the cash on me. She like wanted to sell it to me for like fifty bucks or something. But it was mm. really fucking cool, like to play Contra, but as a different character. And it had like, of course, awesome artwork on the cover of like this mech-looking suit thing, you know? Oh yeah, I love that. It's a great concept. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you if you'd actually played uh, Life Force or not, so or if you knew what it was or not. I, yeah, I'm. I have a vague familiarity with it, so I'm yeah. sure I did. Okay. All right, buddy. What is your number seven? My number seven is the 1983 Taito uh, multi-storied thirty to be specific video game Elevator Action. Oh yeah, I knew you were gonna bring Elevator Action to the table, buddy. It was. I, I, it was going to make my list. Honestly, it probably would have been where Life Force was. But I was like, I'm fairly certain Zach's going to bring it to the table. So I was just like, ah, just let me put Life Force here. Um, I do think another one of mine will definitely be on your list. And I'm kind of judging these off of the uh, notes you did for Bodhi. You know, oh, yeah. So, yeah. so fun fact, if, if the, for those of you that don't know, um, you know, my son is is now in first grade. And ever since he started school, preschool, uh, I was making notes in his lunch, and I, as a teacher, I would write notes on the board for my kids every time they'd come in and draw a picture. Anyways, these notes have—I've been doing these notes since he was four years old, or no, sorry, um, like <clears throat> like two and a half years old, um, and now he's six and three quarters by the time this airs. So um, I've made over seven hundred notes, and they vary. Uh, now they've been, they're all themed out now, but at one point I was doing game consoles, mm-hmm. uh, 80s characters playing game consoles. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it'd be like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe playing uh, bad dudes, you know, or Chuck and, and Norris. You, and you would draw the, the console, like the cabinet with like the art on it and everything. Every time I'm, I'm looking at these things, I'm like, wow, dude. <laughs> yeah, it took me a long time. Those actually took me way longer than I anticipated, but it was so much fun. And so I would go into all these deep dives of like, what's a game I haven't done yet? You know, I, I did like 100 games at one point. And when I get to one of that are on my list, I'm going to mention your, you know, drawing cool. thing. So, well, so. yeah. So I did elevator action yeah, and, yeah. uh, and, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's one of my favorite games because it's, it's a pretty simple game. Um, but I, I prefer, I've had the game boy version. I've had the, the Nintendo version. This, I think Sega might've put a version out, but I, my heart will always stay with the arcade version because you could always just do more with the arcade version. And, and I didn't know the agent was Agent 17. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that name. It reminded me of Golgol. Was Gol- it yeah, Golgol Gol- 13? Golgol 13, yeah, Duke Togo. I, I <clears> loved it. I had that NES game uh, as well, yeah. That game was pretty cool. Yeah, that game was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, the, the concept is you, you make your way from the top to the bottom. Uh, you find a briefcase. On certain levels, you get a special gun. Sometimes you get, like, a shotgun upgrade, I remember, back in the day. Uh, I haven't played the arcade version in years, there is a cool tabletop arcade version, um, but it's the it's like the NES version, so or the like the Game Boy version. So it doesn't have as much of the uh, extras as the original did. But it's just a fun concept. You, you could hide. So the original arcade one, I, you, you know, there's special. There's like red doors that you go in to get power ups. 
Uh, you get your special briefcase. Uh, you go up and down escalators and elevators and defeat, you know, spies come out and shoot at you and shoot back. You can kick them in the face. You can jump over the bullets or whatever. But um, I just remember it being fun because, like, you could hide behind doors for a while. Mm-hmm. And you could take your time with it, mm-hmm. um, and like similar to Kung Fu Master, it, it, it there was like a point to the game. You know, you had to get this briefcase, and Cloak and Dagger had come out around that oh, time, and I was never loved. they never made a Cloak and Dagger proper game, even though they had one in the movie. Uh, and this to me felt like a Cloak and Dagger esque game. So, yeah. So my number seven is Elevator Action. Oh, it's a good one, buddy. I always liked that series. I think the only one I ever owned was, I think, on the Sega Genesis. Um, But one thing that I loved in the arcade was how big the sprites were. The character sprites were really big in the arcade. And the the motion and the movement was very smooth. Like, they had a very high, I guess, frame rate. I don't know. They just had a lot of stuff going on. The characters just moved really smoothly. And then when you shot them, it was very satisfying, you know. And it was, like you said, it was cool because, like, you know, at that point, I was used to, like, ducking behind boxes to dodge bullets. But here you could actually just push up and go into a door and, and the bullet would go past you or the, the guard would walk past you and you could pop out and shoot them and stuff. I, elevator action was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it it was, like I said, in concept, it was simple. As the game went on, the guys would get faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah of course it. yeah you got you yeah. got to do something to ramp it up and of course like the guys like they had this weird they almost looked like baron zemo from back in the day they had like like a, a hood and all the enemies had like these hoods on right oh you're thinking of another game that i might bring up in a little oh, bit inter- these oh these are more rolling traditional... thunder? is that rolling thunder mm-hmm. ah yeah. interesting <laughs> okay no that's interesting that, that 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 it's sort of merging in my brain uh, well, and and it might actually be Rolling Thunder that I had on on uh, Genesis, maybe. Probably, uh, okay. because according to Wikipedia, this was not available on Sega. Okay. Uh, but so I must have the NES version, and I had the Game Boy, and yeah. it was perfect for Game Boy, the original Game Boy, which was black and white, because you didn't need a whole lot of flashiness. But you, whenever you shot the lights out, because you could shoot the lights yes, out in this one. Yes, right? that's right. Yes, that which shit was kinda, cool. Which is cool. It was a cool concept. So yeah. in the 83, it was early on, you know, I remember, uh, it was definitely one of the first games I ever played. I okay. Loved. All right. Well then I think I'm thinking of rolling thunder and we'll probably elaborate more on that then when we, when we get to it. So, um, well, yes, we might. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is my number seven is also a Tato game, uh, in the arcade and it's from 1987 and it is called the Ninja Warriors. Uh, Ooh, he, yeah horribly generic title but you might remember it as that game that had three screens in in the arcade and basically it was like super super widescreen essentially and it was like it was more of a projection they had one screen in there and they projected two on the side but basically made the game super super wide and it was a simple side scroller beat-em-up you played as one of two 
ninjas, one of two robotic ninjas, and you would be fighting uh, military guys. I had no fucking clue what the story was when I was playing this in the arcade as a kid, but I loved it because and you're probably going to see a theme here, but the sprites were really fucking big. They were really like, like beefy and pretty and bright. And like the, the, like the colors were really nice and poppy, you know, but the cool thing that I really fucking love two things. One, your damage on your character would be shown by having their clothes rip off and revealing the robot underneath. And then two, I liked how you basically fought with knives. And when you hit somebody, you, do like a sort of circular slash motion and as they flew back just like a little bit of red blood like spun in the air but it wasn't like it didn't spray it like it like spun in a circle like in the way that you moved your arm it was really cool i was like oh damn and i liked it that it that it wasn't overly bloody i liked it just had like a little bit of blood to it but it was also one of those games that kind of now holds this mythical element to it because i never played it on a home console, I've never played it since the arcade. I've never beaten it. But boy, oh boy, was I always fascinated by it when I was a kid. And I plunked a lot of money into it and never got past, like, the first fucking stage. It was so hard. But I loved it, dude. Do you have any recollection of this one? I don't. I looked it up and I saw that it was on Super NES, um, which I I didn't have a Super NES at uh, I think that was one console we didn't have, but, um, but yeah, I never played it. It sounds cool. It looks cool. I looked at some of the screenshots and yeah, dude, yeah it's, yeah. it's so, so there were three screens. Yeah. So it was, there's technically, I think, you know, one screen in the front and then they projected up like a, a two more and then had them hit the mirror probably to save, you know, on cost. So there wasn't like actually three tubes in there, but it technically was because the, the other two screens were being projected up it was you had full three screens, so the cabinet was a lot wider. Although it was weird because it was only a two-player game, so I almost imagine it was probably a bit of a precursor to what we later saw, like the uh, the Simpsons arcade game, like all these four-player arcade games. I think this would have probably done better in people's eyes because it had so much real estate, and that also could be the reason why it maybe didn't even pop up on like in front of your radar at tilt or something, because it probably could have just boiled down to like, oh, this thing takes up literally two spots to one i could have two arcade games to one you know what i mean so yeah, i think that probably yeah. could have, have, have held it back a little bit but i just remember the graphics were just really beautiful well you you reminded me of something that was very heartbreaking when you would go into an arcade and your favorite game was suddenly gone mm, or out of like, order out of order or they they moved it out for another a newer game yeah and you're like but what happened wait i really love that game that happened to my number one, which we'll get to, but, uh, oh, but no. yeah, but yeah, no, dude, it, it looks cool. And I'm like, now I'm like, come on, can we, there, there used to be, uh, when video games, arcade games started making a little bit of a comeback in the early two thousands, there was a arcade in Westwood near UCLA, similar to one in the Bay area called nickel city, where you could play anything for a nickel, which is bullshit because you go in there and you're like, well, why is that 75 cents? Yeah. It's supposed to be a nickel. <laughs> whatever <laughs> anyways um but it was it, it just felt like the games were run down they weren't cleaned you know they d- yeah. didn't have the care it's kind of like the pier at the santa monica pier is the same way they they've got a few old school games but not a lot um you know it is what it is so 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's nice that arcade one up now, like you can start getting these things super cheap, you know, totally. 300, 300 bucks for, for the, you know, the TMNT arcade game, you know, I mean, obviously $300 is a lot of money, but relatively speaking, you know, that's actually not fucking bad, but um, I played the, uh, the, their version, their X-Men one, I think is what it is. Their is which one? It? The X-Men one, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. They put, I think they put out the X-Men one. Yeah. The uh, four player I think one. that's one they played. I played recently, and oh, it's so cool. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I love this. I played the shit out of that game in the arcade, by the way, back in Dude, the 90s. So. 90s. Yep, that was, that's a 90s <laughs> one. Again, guys, there's a lot of good 90s one. We were definitely going to do a 90s one. So, um, All right, buddy boy, number six for you. So my number six is, is similar to your number seven in the sense that it, it was uh, had so, somewhat of a novel concept. Um, definitely one of my favorites. Could have been higher, maybe should be higher, but but I was like, well, it's similar to another game I have. So uh, it's the 1987 Bally Midway game, Xenophobe. Oh, so close. I thought you were going to pull mine out. Xenophobe. Okay. And, yes, and so I remember Xenophobe, that one. Yep. yep. Xenophobe was a three-player game. Uh, you could assume the role of three space explorers, very similar to it was like a hybrid of aliens meets star trek meets star wars um and it had three on its screen it had three levels and so if you're player one you're at the top player two is in the middle player three was at the bottom and you had to kind of keep an eye on where you were at because if you looked up at the top or the bottom you would and you were player two you get confused really easily you battle all sorts of little aliens you could build you pick up little weapons along the way You'd enter a room, you'd have the aliens that you'd have to defeat in that room, and then you'd that would be the challenge of that level. Very simple in a way, but the graphics were phenomenal. So good. Apparently yeah. this was available on like the Atari 2600, which I never played it. Um, the Lynx system. You remember? Y'all yes. should yeah. probably remember Lynx. Yep, yeah, Atari Lynx. That was their handheld, uh, their foray into handheld gaming. Yep, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, the characters were uh, Mr. M. Brace, Dr. Quack, and Colonel Poupon. <laughs> it's, it, it almost has like a an uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes vibe. It, oh, it's, dude. It's, it's, clearly, yeah. it's clearly like, like you know, homage to Alien, but more of like a tongue-in-cheek thing. And yeah. you're right, dude. The graphics were great. I This was one of those games that was intimidating to me. I always wanted to play it. I kind of like hovered around it, trying to figure it out. Then I would pop my quarters in and not really know what to do. It's not your typical like side scroller shooter. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a concept. And I, I don't really think we've ever seen another game like Xenophobe before. And it's a game that honestly, I would love to play now just to understand it, just to like kind of put a, you know, a, a bookend to that chapter, close that chapter of my life, because to this day, I can just still remember being intimidated by it and not really understanding how to progress in that game. Yeah, you should play it again or at least watch the playthrough on YouTube because yeah. it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, th- this came out at a time when I think uh, Rampage, mm, you know, came out at the loved. exact same time. And obviously Rampage is great. Uh, and, and same, I think same video game company, Bally Midway. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, Rampage was Midway. Yeah. So they were like the king of cartoon graphics. Um, obviously not 
the king of cartoon graphics, but the best with their gameplay. You know, I would say Dragon's Lair and Space Ace were the best with their actual animation, yeah. but yeah. the gameplay kind of the gameplay definitely sucked. It was not it was not fun. That was not those were not fun games to play. They were so hard. They were so hard. They, they, Anyways, they were. They were. Uh, <laughs> but Xenophobes, I, I mean, I'm a huge sci-fi horror guy. Yeah. And this was like, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is a great way to connect it because. By the way, I'm still watching so much Attack of Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> and and for those that haven't watched, like, season two, it gets really dark uh, in a good way. And it kind of fits with this game, Xenophobe. So, and I didn't even know what the hell a Xenophobe was when I was a kid. I'm like, what's a Xenophobe? Oh, oh like, fear of aliens? Oh, that's, oh, wow, cool. Is it Exiphobe? The funny thing yeah. is I knew what it was because of uh, – um, aliens, the movie Aliens, like Xenomorph and everything. So yeah, exactly. And so you play. You, you were saying you played it at Tilt and everything. As I a played kid. it at Tilt, and then yeah, the 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 Golf Land near us ha- also had it. They had this and my other one of my other top games uh, that we'll get to. But yeah, such a fun game, and um, yeah, I, I highly recommend people check out Xenophobe. Nice. Yeah. No. How about I, you? I remember what, what's your number? Sace. Sace is nineteen eighty nine. Nintendo NES. Uh, I, I think the company's name was Technos Japan. Um, yeah, never, yep. never, never heard of them. But I remember uh, Super Dodgeball was absolutely one that I did play with Luke at Luke's place all the time. And I don't really. All right, so I'm gonna use a, an obscure example to to help another obscure example. But the art style was like River City Ransom, if that rings any bells for you. So the the, the characters no. are kind of like squat and super deformed, like real like squishy, um, you know, kind of fat, short, but like so they have a style to them, you know. And it's just, but it's just dodgeball. It's 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 I think three b three v three, you know, and you can do like kind of fun crazy moves and try to knock each other out. Out, but as someone who never played a lot of sports games and I didn't play many, you know, moving past this one, this is like one of the few sports games that I did play with Luke. We played this in like pro wrestling a lot on the NES, but pro wrestling I didn't include because I think that's a bit more mainstream uh, uh, than than this probably was. You didn't so, play uh, you didn't play Techno Tecmo Bowl. I did not play Tecmo Bowl, but I did enjoy Mutant League Hockey, and but that, oh, that was game. the '90s. That that was the '90s. So. That was '90s. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Tecmo Bowl's badass. It didn't fit, factor in my top eight, but uh, yeah. But I, I was game... never, I was never a big football kid. Like I didn't watch any sports or anything. So, so this this was kind of the closest one. And truthfully, this is the only sports game that's on the list. But I actually did pick this up for the Game Boy Advance, uh, you know, many years later, I think in the early 2000s, and it's still just as fun oh, cool. as it was back then. It's just one of those games, simple play mechanics, man. Sometimes simple just works, you know? That's good to know. It's good to know that it was good on Game Boy Advance because yeah. a lot of those games came out and it, was just, it just didn't feel the same way, mm-hmm. you know? I, yeah, I mean, exactly. I never played this game. Uh do you remember the game Tubin? Yes. Arc- yes, yeah. I do. Where yeah. you go down the river yep. or whatever. And it's like it was. Um, I don't remember how the game mechanics was, but I know you had to control two different sides, right? Yes. Of, your, of yourself, you would have to move yourself left and right, basically. I feel like it. the The original one had like a 
a tube in the center and you yeah, had to turn the something. tube. Or something. There was I don't something. Know. I know. Yeah. Which is a cool concept. But, a gimmick. Um, a gimmick. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great gimmick. But uh, yeah, I mean, I never played this game, but it sounds awesome. Like I would love to. You know, every time we go down these rabbit holes, I'm like, I want to go back and play all these games. I wish I I did. I knew a guy once that had a hard drive of over a thousand Mm. arcade games in a console. And so stand them up. And so I go over to my this kid. I tutored his son and I go over to his house and he's like, what game do you want to play? I'm like, oh, we have Ghostbusters for second master system. I love that game. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. And this again, this is probably better for a '90s discussion. But did you remember that GI Joe run and gun game where the camera was behind you and you could either be, I think, Duke, Snake Eyes, or Scarlet, and I think somebody else? Do you remember that game? Yeah. So, so fun fact: when I'm cutting Bodie's hair, when my wife and I, when Femme French and I are cutting Bodie's hair, uh, he likes to watch YouTube gameplay game uh, mm-hmm. videos from the '80s and '90s, and I just showed him that one. Wow. That game was so freaking cool. It's, <laughs> it's violent. Uh, yes, it's very violent, but also like every single like Cobra vehicle is in that game. Everything. It's it's, it's amazing. It's it is again, guys. If this was, that will be on our '90s one because I love the. So we got to stop talking about it now. But yeah. if it came out in the '80s, it would have made my list. So all right, Super Dodgeball, good shit, buddy boy. What is your number five? Number five. Is one of my all-time the favorites, and again, it's an arcade. I, I prefer the arcade version over everything else. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the 1987 Rolling Thunder. Ah, there it is. By there Namco. It is. By Namco. So, so, so yeah. is it the same people that made uh, Elevator Action? Right? Is it? Is is it's a similar thing? Right? Um, actually, totally different. Oh, so fuck. this one is the concept is you are, um, you are this guy named albatross albatross i blew uh diallo's mind uh one of the triple threat of uh, tv obscura uh because he never knew the name of the main character neither did i until i looked it up on wikipedia but you're assuming the name of this this character named albatross who is a uh police officer he works for the world crime police organization wcpo and he's in their espionage unit, so somewhat of a spy, I suppose. And um, he's he's trying to he's on a mission to find a missing female agent, uh, Layla Blitz or Leela Blitz, from a secret society named Gaydra, located in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and the lead guy looks like a goblin, uh, <laughs> and and his his lackeys are all hooded. They have multicolor hoods. Some of them throw grenades. Some of them have machine guns. Some of them have guns. The connection this has to elevator action is you can go indoors and hide from them. And that's probably what you're remembering. Because this is a side-scrolling game. Yes. Um, Wicked awesome game. Like, a lot of strategy involved. You can go indoors. and, and, And this was the first game where you did not have unlimited bullets. If you ran out of bullets, you'd have, like, one every few seconds. But you could go indoors to up, reload your gun, or you could go into other rooms to get a machine gun. Yeah, you'd get like an upgrade or something, yeah. Yeah, you get an upgrade to machine gun. Uh, jumping, and the the graphics for, for me were off the chain at the time. They and, and the character actually made sounds when he got hit. Like, oh, 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 ah, you know. And the music was like, 
so frenetic. <laughs> so good, so good. I love it. So, anyways, it's my number five. Maybe should be even higher. Who knows? But um, uh, it's such a great game. Great, cool concept in the care. It was to me. It was like the closest thing of for GI Joe at the time. You look yeah. like guy looked yeah. like Duke. Mm-hmm. You're battling a bunch of people that look like Cobra Commander. Um, you know, and then at the end you like got Galobulus or Serpentor that you got to battle. So in the, in the grenade, you know, and, it, uh, the, the, I will say that the, the little mini arcade version that I have that Bodhi has now, it's pretty cool. It actually has Rolling Thunder one and Rolling Thunder two on it. Uh, Rolling Thunder two is very similar, just upgraded graphics, more sound effects. I think you yeah. could play as Leela, Layla or Leela as well. So anyways, I'm assuming you're familiar with this game. I mean, so take everything I said about elevator action was wrong. I was actually <laughs> talking about Rolling Thunder, and I should have had Rolling Thunder 3 on my list. Well, no, I think that was the 90s as well. Um, but I had Rolling Thunder 3 for the Genesis. I was just looking at the covers while you were talking. Oh, cool. Um, and I remember... Again, everything I said about elevator action was actually I was referring to Rolling Thunder. Uh, it, it was it's what's in my head, and it was the the big the big sprites. I liked how big the character sprites are in this game. Yeah, uh, the animation was amazing, and then the, the hoods. Uh, you, you, they would have like different color hoods. If one guy was like a machine gun guy versus if one guy was like a rocket launcher guy, they would use a different color palette and everything. But I liked that they were all kind of wearing hoods and stuff. And then the, you'd shoot one, and it would just have really cool animation of the guy like dying and shit it was oh the dying was so cool it, yeah. it felt like you know you play some of these games where you just feel like there's so many people are cannon fodder but like when you but what i loved about rolling thunder was that even the generic goons could kill you like you you weren't indestructible and i like that i thought that was really fucking cool like every encounter meant something you know you could yeah you could take like one or two you could take two or three hits yeah um and it was really hard to get your energy back, which sucked. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. And, and I do remember Elevator Action, and I do remember playing it, but I never played it as much as I played Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder was my Elevator Action. Yeah, dude. Ro- Rolling Thunder. And great name, too. I know, so, right? Yeah. Be- better than Elevator the- Action. <laughs> yeah. Ele- elevator Action sounds like a porno. It does. Rolling Thunder. It does. <laughs> It really does. And Rolling Thunder... Um, sounds like an Andy Sedaris film. <laughs> Elevator action starring TT Boy. Uh, <laughs> John Doe. <laughs> and then Rolling Thunder starring Wings Hauser. There you go. There you but go. I, I, Rolling Thunder, the movie, um, is a like late 70s, early 80s mm-hmm. movie with uh, Tommy Lee Jones. He's not the lead. Um Oh shoot! I'm forgetting his name right now. Anyways, has no no connection to this no. whatsoever. It's a revenge movie. Cool revenge movie. William Devane. Thank you. Yes, I, I was gonna say yeah. Head. William Devane. He uh, he doesn't have hook hands or something like that in the movie. Yeah, or he's whatever. got a hook hand with a yeah. shotgun. Yeah, that's cool. I I love I love him, dude. He's dude. It's great. Awesome. It's a great movie, and it's probably gonna should show up on Pad. I just don't think it's on Blu-ray yet. And the funny thing is, anytime that came across my, you know, eyes, I was like, oh, is that the video game? No, it's not the video because he didn't yeah, have a yeah. hook. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I, I was like. Oh, this is a video game, right? <laughs> Again, guys and gals, everything I said about <laughs> elevator action was actually Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder meant a lot more to me as a kid. But uh, 
I love right. me some. I'm glad to hear that, dude. I'm glad <laughs> to hear that you love this this game so much. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Uh, number five, I'm kind of thinking it's going to be on your list, so I'm, pr- I'm not going to talk too much about it until I find out from you if it is, but it is the 1990... 1990... Williams arcade game and we're talking about the violent ass narc baby oh so here's the thing it was gonna be on my list but I had a feeling it was gonna be on your list mm, so I okay. actually took it off my list ah, I, I appreciate that because I yeah I did that with you too because ultimately I don't want us to just talk about just eight games like I want us to talk about as many games as we can possibly <laughs> talk about so I know you love narc and guys and gals if you, if you haven't played narc it is a side-scrolling shooting game where you play as one of two I use the term loosely police officers. <laughs> one is red, one is blue. Uh, first yep. off, I thought they looked super cool. They they're like sleeveless, but they have like um like a flak jacket on and they have a, a biker helmet on. They look really cool. They have a machine gun and a rocket launcher, and you just go through the level mowing down criminals. You can also bust them if you stand next to them long enough. They'll buy and you'll get more points. And yeah. It all goes like culminates against you fighting Mr. Big, who's a crime lord who is just a giant head, which is a theme from games in the 80s and 90s, which is just a giant head that you fucking blow his skin off and then he becomes a skull and he spits tongues at you. I don't know what head this has to do with like police enforcement or law enforcement, but you guys will all remember that it was like one of the first games, first off, that was one of the first games that was super violent and everyone, like all the parents are in uproar about it. Yeah. Second 
of it was it was also one of those games like Pit Fighter and like um, Mortal Kombat. They used real digitized people, like so all the sprites were not hand drawn; they were actually people that they photographed, and every and it was just it gave it this level of realism that I had never seen before. And every time I go to the arcade, I would play it. It just I was watching the video again, and I'm like, this I fucking love this game. I love weirdly how I love the aesthetic of the bullets when you shoot them. They're like these weird lines, and 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 the blood is awesome. The the explosions are awesome. It is just nonstop violence, and it's just basically like you're in some kind of fucking urban hell. It's wild. It's fucking wild. Narc guys, fucking narc. And I, the arcade version was the better version. I think I played it on on home consoles, but I mean the arcade fucking rocked. Yeah, the arcade one had all the sound effects. Yeah. the home console one did not yeah you mm-hmm. shoot the guys and bags of cocaine would shoot out of their bodies or heroin needles yeah, and, you, and you gotta pick that shit up and like you know, that's your evidence so at the end of the stage you know you obviously want the max points and everything but like, yeah you fight guys who are throwing heroin needles at you it is <laughs> wildly inappropriate wildly but this was the oh. 80s guys and anything fucking goes so I I was convinced that this game came out in the 90s like I, I'm like it's gotta be a 90s game right and when I looked it up too i looked it up and i'm like 88 yeah really okay yeah. that's cool um shocking and yeah it was <laughs> how this game got passed there was no video game like sensor board no. or whatever mm-hmm. so that's probably why it was able to get past this stuff but yeah. damn dude like this game is is bonkers mm-hmm. and and yeah you're right mr big turn it into head who <laughs> turns do a skull with like tongues that shoot out it is such a <laughs> drug induced whoever was whoever created this game i'd love to know what drugs they were doing or I potentially know. uh and, and if they were i'm i'm just joking i'm not being serious but uh dude th- this game was wild and it was so much what? fun they roll up in like a like a, a, a camaro porsche. or something no, it, was a, a it, was a, it was a convertible porsche, porsche with yeah. two machine guns on the front but you never yeah. got to drive it but i was like oh that's, that's fucking weird. cool and y- there's never a sequel that I know of for this. I've never seen a sequel. There wasn't Narc 2? I don't think there was. I, I mean, there could have been, but let's be honest, guys. We all remember the first one. We all fucking remember Narc. Dude, um, you know, a movie came out in the early 2000s called Narc with um, Jason Patrick and uh, <laughs> and Ray Liotta. And I'm like, is this, is this finally the video game? Because they made stupid versions of you know, battleship. Battleship, and yeah. <laughs> I remember being at a Comic Con, and this guy was a co- the Kevin Smith does his this uh, Saturday night Q and A with the fans. It's so much fun. If if you ever went to a Comic Con back in the day, it's never gonna happen again. So we can just say say it right now. It was fun while it lasted. Um, <laughs> Kevin Smith would do a Q and A, and guys would come up, and there was always this one guy, and every time they so in this big hall, Hall H, and at Comic Con. You know, five, six hundred people are in this room and they, they a person comes up to talk on the microphone and they put a camera on him and they flash the guy on the screen. And there'd be groans every time this guy comes on because he would always try to pull some gag on the the uh, the guest. And Kevin Smith's like, oh, it's you again. He's like, <laughs> I, I have a script here for uh, for Lightbright and a script here for Candyland because at the time they were talking about making a movie out of Monopoly. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of a cool concept. The concept was to like the first person to buy this city, to buy this like podunk town wins. Like yeah. every person that could buy up all the properties, which is kind of a cool idea, actually. You know, but anyways, 
why they never made a narc movie is beyond me. Yeah, dude, it could be fucking crazy. Hell, you know what? Maybe Podcast After Dark will acquire the rights to the narc video game one day, and we will release a narc movie. And David Irons and Diallo Jackson will write the script. That's right. Yep. And you and I will be the two guys. I'll be the blue one. You'll be the red one. Dude, perfect. And Roxy will do the music for (laughs) it. Dude, there you go. Holy shit, guys. We did it. Guys, look for... you listening? (laughs) Look for NARC. It's coming at you in uh, 2030. (laughs) David's going to be... David right now is going, God, I've got to go online and see... (laughs) See what's going on here. Why do I sound like Jeremy Irons? And yeah, David. By the way, real quick, did you uh, do you know fucking Nark? Did did Nark make it to the uh, to the UK arcades? Yeah. Actually, All I don't our even. UK friends. Yeah, I don't even know what uh, um, arcade games like or what arcades were like in the UK back in the eighties. So yeah, we we have a, quite a few UK listeners. So guys and gals out there, please let us know. We're, we're be interested in hearing if any of these actually made its way across the seas and. and, and if, you know, you know who's a really um, a, uh, and I think he listens to the show. I know well Robert does, and he's a good friend of ours. Um, but Scott Zillner is a mm-hmm. is a genius when it comes to his back, like his knowledge of video games, arcade games. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he listens maybe to this episode. Yeah, and I'm wondering if um, you know all our, any of our friends that uh, either lived in Japan or are in Japan are familiar. If this if this was you know, probably started in Japan. Um, if this was allowed to be played in Japan as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious if <laughs> so. Narc, I feel like Narc just seems so just aggressively American that I'm curious if it, if it made it overseas. So, right. I love um, it. I, love I know. It. I knew you Great would. And I'm, I'm, I, and I, I knew, I kind of had it also had a suspicion that you were going to omit stuff that you thought I was going to hit, but I'm glad one of us brought this one to the table regardless. Yeah. I was like, I'm pulling narc off the, I'm pulling narc off the list. Cause I have a feeling it's going to show up on yours. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, buddy boy, what is your number four? My number four is the 1988, another 88 game originally in Japan was this name versus dragon ninja, but we know it's simply in the United States as, Bad dudes. Bad dudes. Data East, baby. Yeah. It's got a co. I had. I had to get it. As, as anyone that knows me knows that um, Bad Dudes is very popular in my house to this day. My son loves to play the mini console we have of this game. It's not the same as the arcade version, but it's pretty damn close. Was well, is it just uh, the NES version? I think so. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And side scroller. Uh, you can play as one of two characters. Um, you have to rescue President Ronnie. Well, President Ronnie's been kidnapped by bad guys, ninja kidnappers, and and uh, you're it's introduced in the beginning from like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, listen to me, guys. You got to get down. You got to find him now. It's literally the way it starts. Um, and and in the <laughs> and the the main characters are Blade and Striker, which sound like two gay porn names in my opinion. <laughs> It's me, Striker. You ready for this blade? Oh, I'm ready. Striker. It's either American gladiators or gay porn stars, or a little bit of both. Yeah, sure, sure. Just combine the two. Sure, you know, sure. So. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you you defeat various ninjas along levels, and the challenges are like at one you know the beginning level is pretty simple. You're going down a street, but then you're on a 
you're on top of a truck. A, oh, a yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask, is there a truck stage on this where you're on the back of the truck? Yeah. Yeah. Truck stage. That, there's yeah. a train stage. Yeah. Um, it gets more and more comp- complicated as time goes on. You encounter more challenging ninjas at the end of every level <laughs> as time ninjas. goes on. The eighties guys, the eighties <laughs> ninjas were the enemies. It's great. I love it, dude. It's some sort of ninja. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's so stupid but so damn entertaining at the same time but but it's also very infamous for its ending isn't it with uh with the president basically just thanking you and that's it. it's like thanks for saving me two bad dudes yeah he's like i forget i forget what the actual script is but he's like thanks bad dudes for saving president ronnie and Let's go get some hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so ridiculous. And, and you know, yeah. at this point, Bush was in office, uh, so <laughs> it makes me wonder when the hell they wrote this game. But uh, President Ronnie showed up in an episode of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, actually, episode eleven that I just watched, uh, or episode ten when they f- uh, against Frank Amato, <laughs> which is like a <laughs> Frankenstein tomato. Um, <laughs> Dude, and I'm speaking, not even drunk, and this shit is funny. I, I so. know, dude. Speaking of Ronnie, do you remember what was that TV show with the puppets back in the '80s? Um, where it was a political TV show, and it was by the same guy who did Land of Confusion, or it was by the same production company that did Land of Confusion music video, and all those puppets with like Spock and Ronald Reagan and stuff like that. Do you remember that show? I remember the show. I forget the name. It, it was like it, I think political was in the title. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or some play on Washington D.C. Washington Follies. Or yeah, it's like DC like Follies. I think DC it was DC Fo- Follies. I, I think, think was, so. Look at that! Look at that! Look at that! Activate. I, 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 uh, I in think we just, we just in the form of <laughs> in the form ninja. Of, in ninja the form penis. of ninja and useless knowledge. Those are the two forms. In the form of ninja and. Useless knowledge. <laughs> He's some sort of useless knowledge ninja. But so, Bad Dudes was a was an arcade game that I didn't play as much in the arcade as I did for the Nintendo. And okay. obviously, I I took a hit on the graphics and everything um, by yeah, doing sorry. that. But but I do remember it in the arcade. It just it didn't it didn't gravitate me. I I probably in the arcade at the same time I probably would have played the Ninja Gaiden arcade game more than uh, more than Bad Dudes. And I was debating on whether I was going to include Ninja Gaiden or not. And I do think that there's a massive difference between the arcade game versus the, the NES game. But, I, but you know, again, we have to, I have to look back. I'm like, okay, I, I feel like that's too – or it's not that obscure. Like, I think everyone kind of knew Ninja Gaiden. So I was like, yeah, I dropped it. Yeah, it's still badass. It's, it's a great game, but I dropped it because of the whole obscure thing. So, okay. Um, yeah, but I, I, I And I do think Bad Dudes is more appropriate for this list than Ninja Gaiden is because Bad Dudes was definitely a bit more obscure than 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 that. Yeah, I think people are familiar with it from the movie Parenthood where the mm-hmm. kids – where his – where it's Steve Martin's kid is playing Parenthood. Uh, and he's like, they call him bad dudes because they're bad dudes or whatever, you know? And I remember playing that. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's playing the game that I play in the game. And oh, wow, nice, awesome. Like, yeah. I can connect. But uh, uh, I don't Parenthood's think Parenthood's a great movie, them. by the way. What's that? Parenthood's a great movie, by the way. Oh, my God. That movie, for, the, for, for those of you that 
and you're included in this. If, if you are, ever want to have a kid or thinking about having a kid, when you do have a kid, two movies to watch uh, prior to having a kid is Parenthood. One after having your kid is Raising Arizona. And that will put you in <laughs> such a great frame. I'm saying, telling you, Raising Arizona, we watched that movie. That, that was the first thing we watched when we came home from uh, bringing Bodhi home from the hospital. And we both laughed our asses off. It's just perfect. Movie. It's perfect. <laughs> Great movie, dude. Great movie and great pick, dude. Bad dudes, my man. Bad dudes. All right, my number four. Number four. Who does your number four work for? <laughs> it's another Tato uh, game. Um, 1987. There was a NES version, but I'm going to go with the arcade version, and that is Operation Wolf. Oh, yeah. Great game. Great game. So this was one of those games in the arcade where the controller was an Uzi and, it, you know, freaking the 80s were all about the Uzis, you know, and it was the the longer Uzi. You know how there's like two different versions of the Uzi. It was like the longer one. And yeah, you, you guys know. You guys know. <laughs> you guys grew up in the 80s. You know. There's and, a, <laughs> and then there's a... <laughs> you know how it goes, guys. Uh, but yeah, so it was one of those games where... The camera, or the, the I guess the screen constantly moved, and people just popped up, and you just had to shoot them. You also yeah, had awesome. like a, a, a grenade launcher button as well, and uh, you had to not shoot. You know, I think there was like a a kid. You you couldn't shoot the kid, and then don't shoot the paramedics. And then there was like a girl in a bikini that you weren't supposed to shoot. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, but it was very much like a Vietnam type of thing. Uh, you know, the stages were fun and neat and 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 cool and all, but I kind of always liked the fact that you could also uh select which stages you want to go so like you didn't have to go in order that they made you go in you could sort of select the path and the order that you went in but of course the biggest draw was just the the gun controller and you know after that anytime i saw a, a gun controller game in the arcades like terminator 2 that was a famous one uh even now currently there's like an aliens one with like a pulse rifle and everything yep. dude every I time i yeah me too and it's, it's actually really good um yeah but every time i see one of those games i always think of oh it's just like operation wolf like it just goes back to that and i was a kid at putt putt i can literally remember the first time i played it i can remember how it's how that carpet smelled like you said that carpet just the the, the smell of the popcorn in that place oh, and, and the cigarettes you know so because you it was the 80s you could smoke like inside <laughs> a fucking kids arcade it's yep. insane but dude operation wolf did did you play that I play that incessantly. I love that game. Uh, I mean, clearly, you know, we're big Chuck Norris fans, and Chuck Norris in Invasion USA had his double Uzis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and I felt like I was Chuck Norris playing that game, and it was a very generic-looking dude with a beret. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but, man, that game was so much fun. It was it was different for me because I wanted to, I like seeing the hero on the screen mm. playing as the hero, but it was, it was such a fun concept, and getting to shoot... <laughs> Getting to shoot a real gun is so much fun. You know, obviously in this day and age, with everything that's happened in the past 30 years with violence in this country, is so horrible. And and and, and, and I'm so anti um, on, on so many levels, you know, guns to that degree. But man, in the 80s, it was so much fun to have these weapons and shoot and kill. And <laughs> it was just like it was a blast, dude. Like. 
I mean, it goes, it goes back to Intertech guns. Like, dude, you totally. and I had Intertech water guns back in the early 80s when they were fucking all black. Like, <laughs> the first thing they did was, like, there was a point in time where they didn't even have an orange tip to the nozzle. They were nope. all black. They looked fucking real, and then kids got killed, you know? But, dude, like, yeah, dude, yeah. like, like it was so much fun to play this shit as a kid, man. It was, it was, it was fun. crazy. Let's be honest. It, yeah. Let's be honest. It was fun. It was fun fun and mm. if you were a normal person and not a cuckoo brain and not an idiot it was just straight up fun yeah you know and if you if you had empathy and a conscience and like okay you know this is bad you know like the real thing is bad and the not if you could separate the two and you weren't a freaking idiot you know because <laughs> we're not idiots i hope we're not idiots no we have Anyways, empathy these games we... were so much fun yeah. dude <laughs> Narc operation. I mean, I mean, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, uh, actually, my more violent stuff was was behind us. Like now, in front of us is is a lot less violent. Um, but nineties shit. Nineties was when I really ramped up. I I agree, and obviously had Mortal Kombat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. uh, Then I I think when we do our nineties video game list, we're we're gonna have a lot more extremely violent games, but. Man, Narc and Operation Wolf were both pretty fucking violent. Because, like, Operation Wolf, it wasn't, like, grotesquely violent. But, you know, the the, the, the hit marks that you would see on the person. I mean, they'd make it red. So, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's fun. Love but, that um, game. Yeah. Video- nice choice. Yep. So, you're number three, my man. My number three um, is interesting. Because it originally came out in 1982 via... Apple II, um, an Atari 5200, and then the Atari 7800. Um, but it was what Sega did with its master system in 1986. Um, it was one of my first Sega master system games. It was kind of repurposed and uh, re renamed. Uh, actually, no, sorry. It was not, re- it was not renamed. It was... But it was kind of given a little bit of a facelift in a better better way. The the graphics were ramped up. It's 1986 Choplifter. Oh, nice, dude. Wait, so which version? The Sega Master System version? So I'm specifically talking about the Sega Master System version. Uh, I love the Master System. I think it's highly underrated. It's blaster. It's control. It was the unlike Nintendo. It had a joystick that you could screw into the controller to actually use which was really cool it would break if you were not gentle with it but it was so much fun and choplifter was a great game very simple concept you had to blast the bad guys on the ground and then you had to land your chopper and you had to pick up um pow's and i love me a good pow game look i love missing in action rambo 2 did did you play pow the video game i played pow also choplifter stood out to me just because the graphics itself is what stood out to me i love the sega master system graphics it was kind it was one of those games that wasn't too hard to play and it was countless hours of fun and it just it, it's it top it tops the other ones in my list based on that based on the the playability it was yeah, relatively yeah. easy and and I just love the concept of like rescuing a bunch of people and yeah. then getting out of there. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have like a 
a count of how many people you could hold in the helicopter. Yes. Because as you're talking, I'm, I'm listening to you, but like, I'm like frantically trying to figure out which version I played because, okay. you know, as you're talking, I'm being flooded with nostalgia, which is, of course, the hope that, that you guys, the listeners, all feel when we talk about this stuff. So it's happening now as Zach is talking, and I'm frantically trying to figure out which version I played, and I, I, I can't remember. It was probably the Genesis version because I don't know if it came out on NES, but I see that it came out on Genesis. But then they also rebooted it as like um a side scroller you know uh game but like the same game but like really beefed up graphics on like the playstation i think three or something and so and it was like a budget title it was like only like 20 bucks like it was like a a, you know not a disc release but like you only bought it online and it was really fucking good and you could unlock different helicopters but it was choplifter it was it was you know it was the same brand it was they were trying to revitalize it i don't think it really really worked i think this kind of game concept pretty much will just now live on and and as the $20 downloadable, you know, mini game type of thing. But at the time I'm with you and I think there's something to be said about having an objective that is not just kill everything on the screen. Like I think you and I both enjoy games that give you something else to do and some usually something that's not as aggressive. I think you and I both like games that have you can you can shoot things and you're doing something else like rescue people or something. It gives you something else to do. Yeah, there there was an added um level of intensity with having to land the helicopter and not crashing it. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. Yep. Right? And um I don't know, it was just so cool that I, I based a lot of my drawings back in the day off this game. Okay. Uh, like I, I loved to do, to do stick figures, and I, 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 it was the first game where I'm like, oh, those are stick figures, but they're like animated animated stick figures. That's cool. I, I can do that. And uh, it was just so much fun, and it really brought out a lot of – it was a game I would draw when I was at school all the time. And so I just have a lot of nostalgic love for Choplifter, baby. That's dude. That's, that's my awesome, number three. Man. That's great. Hey, and it's a great game. And I remember playing it, just not with your version, but I do remember enjoying it. But if if you guys, if you get a chance, Zach, um, I know. I think didn't you? I don't even have a PS3. I think don't you? I had a the 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 new the latest the last system I ended up buying was uh, like a Nintendo Wii and a PS2. Okay. So, okay. Okay. So, but you know, that being said, it's my i have a raspberry pi uh which has a bunch of old school games on it oh okay and uh god i love that raspberry pi and everything from bayou billy bayou billy's on there and uh also well, I, I think games. i think um the switch the nintendo switch has a bunch of these games on it you know and everything but oh cool I can't – thank you, Zach. Thank you for the tee-up, my man, because my number three is fucking Bayou Billy, brother. <laughs> Great game. 1988 Konami NES. I didn't even know you were going to fucking say that, dude. Hold, hold on. So before before you before you lead in, I just want to say we've, we've kind of been uh, in sync – up to this point on everything yeah. you know you did a vietnam game with the wolf one and then operation wolf and then i did choplifter and and then i just randomly throw out bayou billy out of nowhere 
<laughs> Dude, wild, bro. Wild. That's wild. Uh, you don't have it on. You don't have it on your two, number I two. I do or not. One. Okay, all right. So, by that would ability, be on my buddy Jonathan Bowles list. <laughs> then you JB. played it. Obviously, you played it because you you just brought it uh, brought it up. I played so it. You, I played it a couple months ago. That's <laughs> hilarious. So, so Bayou was is was it, you know it's weird because it's like I'm watching it. I watched the you know the playthroughs today, and I'm like, damn, it's kind of a generic looking game. But at the time, I fucking loved it. So, what you're doing, typical setup, got to get your girlfriend back, yada yada yada. But the what's the selling point of the game of Bayou Billy is that it is sort of three different genres in one. So you have stages that are like Double Dragon, where you just fight people you have stages that are driving games like um what was it not rad racer what was it like pole position not pole position but um yeah maybe rad racer or something but uh it was it's yeah. outrun outrun like racing games like uh, outrun yeah. type of thing um and then my favorite was it had a operation wolf style game where the camera would just move and you'd use the light gun to shoot people on the screen so you would actually have to like when you're playing the game you have to pick up the controller and then you have to pick up the light gun so you'd have to i think you had to have them both plugged in you know and i i just thought that was so fucking cool like it was a game that just mixed genres something that we wouldn't see done really well until years later you know just now it's just normal to have a game go from shooting to racing or whatever but when i played bayou billy dude it was it was fucking revolutionary at the time. And it's weird because, like, again, like I said, I'm watching it today, and I'm very unimpressed with the graphics now. It is very generic, but yeah. it lives very strongly in my heart because I love the shit out of it as a kid. Just like you said, like, with Choplift, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. I just drew the shit out of it as a kid. I'm like, I don't know. I just love Bayou Billy. I don't know why. It was great. I think I think that our third pick is, is the – Close to our heart, maybe not the greatest game, but close to our heart. Yeah. And and guys and gals, you got to remember how wild is that, that you could shoot a light gun at the screen and your game would react to it. Like to me, that shit is phenomenal. I know one one time years ago, uh, I was at dinner with someone who who was a coder and I'm like, I, I don't mean to sound naive, but how the hell do you code? Like, what is what? What do all those ones and zeros mean? That shit fascinates me. I think for someone that is not in that world, that tech world, that is wild to me, dude. So the fact that you can shoot a gun at a screen and it responds to you, this flat thing, you know, that is bonkers, man. Yeah. Like talking to a a little kid about that, and they're just like, "Whoa, wait, so how does this?" signal travel to your phone and to another person and like it's all in the in it's all around us yeah and, and, like, and what do you mean and it's add wild. to that and add to that the fact that like this is also the first time we as like a society is even seeing this shit so like you know this now we're yeah. living in a world you know 30 years later where video games have evolved crazily but like you go back to these 80s games and you know, like like Zach, you said, like some of these games are like high concept, like Xenophobe and stuff. But you can see where they're they were just trying shit, and you'd never seen that before. And it was just man, it was a magical fucking time, dude. Yeah, it was. And and I think what I like about Bayou Billy more so uh, now, and I didn't get it as much then. It's such a random concept. Yeah, know, that that it's like in the deep South of Louisiana. Like yeah. I would never have set, 
I never would I would never think a game would be set in that time. What doesn't make sense to me at that t- as a kid. Now I'm like, that's really cool that this game got greenlit. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and obviously all the concepts involved in it. That's wild. I love it. I'm, such, I'm glad such you played game. it, dude. I'm glad you yeah, played it. Yeah, and like I said, I, I played it <laughs> a couple months ago. It's on the Raspberry Pi. So unfortunately, that that level with the with the gun, you have to. Uh, that's when you stop the game because oh, it doesn't have that function. It. Which oh, okay. Sucks. Okay. But okay. you know, nevertheless, it's a fun game to play. I love eh, it. Buy you, yeah. Billy. Buy you, Billy. All right, buddy boy, your pen ultimate number two. My number two. Man, this was tough between number one and number two because this simply came down to what game did I finish first in the arcade? My number one will be the other, the one I finished first. This was the one I finished second. So this game is from, and I want to, I just, I want to do it justice. This game came out in 1987 in the arcade. Oh, this might be my number one. Oh shit! I'm sorry if that's it is. okay. It's okay. Uh, it's from Sega. Oh, okay, okay. No, it's not. Okay, cool. Um, it it came out on the Master System. It's a pretty decent version on the Master System. Uh, I played it a lot on the Master System, but I didn't play it as much as I played it in the arcade. It's the 1987 Sega produced Alien Syndrome. Oh damn wow alien syndrome to me at the time was the grossest most fun game to play it took the elements of i loved gauntlet so it took elements of gauntlet so you it was a um you know you're looking down on the screen like you did in gauntlet and you're playing as one of two characters and you're playing simultaneously together if you want to ricky and mary which is hilarious anyways Quick backstory, um, I was with my brother and my dad in Michigan. My dad was refurbishing a house he bought, and he was having my brother and I clean the house. I was up on a counter in the kitchen, and I slipped off the counter and fell onto the floor, and the, fell, the floor fell through. And when I came to, I passed out, and when I came to, I was covered in maggots. And so I think I was eight or nine at the time. It was like a summer thing. My dad's like, we're going to go. I came out to visit my dad in the summer in Michigan. We're going to go fix this house. Okay. And you fell off the counter, fell through the floor, landed the floor in some was mag- rotted. maggots. This is in like Detroit. Okay. In so, the so it's no different than 2021 Detroit, right? Pretty much. <laughs> and yeah, covered in maggots. Good and God. uh yeah, so I don't have a fear anymore of maggots, but I definitely have this, the, my my arm hair goes up or I get chicken skin or whatever you want to call it. Um, as J-Lo would say, I get the gooseies, but mm-hmm. not in a good way. Uh, yeah, so, so anything maggot-oriented is disgusting as hell to me. And so there's like these maggot creatures throughout this game that you have to just blow up and, and, and with your and it's it's aliens. It's aliens. It's the closest thing to aliens that you could get yeah. at the yeah. time. Yeah. And even though a, a aliens game came out as an arcade game, I think in the yeah. late 80s, early 90s, which was so good. Uh, but this was the closest thing. And I love it. It's my number two. Very close to number one. Uh, it's so much fun. I'm curious if you ever played this game. I did not. 
And is it like Smash TV where Shocking. you can where you can move one way and then shoot another way? Is that how it is? Yes. Okay. Yes. So so Smash TV was one of the three games that came out in 1990, so it dropped from my list and it'll be on the next list. But uh, it is absolutely Smash TV is one of my favorite games of all time. Me, um, mine too. So so Alien Syndrome is like that. Did it have two joysticks like per or like per character basically or? No, one joystick and two blasters, but you could be doing multiple things at okay. once. Okay, okay. Oh, that's could, so cool, dude. Uh, yes, yeah, so you could be moving and shooting, and uh, you have to, similar to Gauntlet, where you had to get a key code, you had to like get a, a a card key to move on to the next level. I remember the the like the cover art, and I do know that they like rebooted it, like they did with uh, uh, the one I mentioned earlier. Um, but actually, it's it's the it's the 1986. I guess Tengen, um, what is this, a Genesis system, uh, a cover art? That's what I remember more than anything is this Tengen cover art. And I think it's for the NES. I think it's the NES cover art. And I remember that, but I never actually played it. Yeah, so the, the logo would come on screen, and uh, you, you had to rescue hostages. You had to, like, uh, get a map. You could upgrade your weapons. But the but the logo would come on screen and it was like pulsing, like that's cool alien flesh or something. Well, well I mean, Seriously. I'm scrolling through the images now and I see the the Sega Master System version like image is is totally like fucking alien, like a ripoff of Alien or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it, and when, they're leaning when, into it hard. On oh, this big one. time! When that came because because let's be honest, this came out a year after Alien came Aliens mm, came out, mm, right? Mm. So, um. They're totally marketing off that, but the arcade version was so good. The uh, the, the Master System version was decent. I played it enough, but man, the arcade version, I just remember quarter after token after token after token for, with yeah. that game. Good. So much fun. Good pick, buddy. I, I really wish I'd played it, but I unfortunately did. I'm shocked that you didn't. I feel like this is the first one we've had that one of us didn't. Re- well, I think this is the first one that I've had that I didn't play yours. I think first you've one. had one where you didn't play mine. So, yes. yeah, honestly, there is not a lot. Although I was honestly expecting a bit more crossover to be to be truthful with you. Me so, too. Me yeah, too. And yeah. I, I'm Garrett. I know that my number one is definitely not on your list. So. Interesting. Interesting. Because, yeah, well, well, we'll find out in two seconds. All right, my dude, my number two is, it's by Activision, it's 1982, it's for the Atari 2600, and it is River Raid. Have you ever played that? I want to say yes. I just, maybe when you describe it a little bit more, I'll be more familiar, but I'm pretty sure I did. It's super fucking simple. It's just a top-down airplane flying up a river. Like, you can't fly over the sides, like, which would be land or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is Atari 2600, so the graphics are super simple. But you fly up, you, you shoot, you know, bridges, you shoot uh, anything that can kind of, like, stop your progression. Helicopters are flying by and stuff like that, you know. But there's also... You can you have to fly over uh, uh, fuel tankers to kind of get more fuel because you can run out of fuel. And if you have enough fuel and you just shoot the fuel tanker, you get like a lot of points for it. So you want to just basically just keep going as far as you can go. I don't know if there's an end to it because I've never been there. And it's cool because... 
I was thinking about it earlier, like a lot of times these games would now be just procedurally generated so that like every new stage would be different every single time. But one thing I loved about this was you could memorize it. And the cool thing was once you got far enough, you would start like, you know, be like, oh, no, I'm in a new area. And now I'm starting to like get anxious and frantic because I'm, I don't know what's coming and stuff like that. And truthfully, I just played the shit out of it just all the time. I just had so much fun just trying to see how far I could get and I would die and I would just start it over again. And the graphics are not pretty, but boy, oh boy, was it just fun. Well, I mean, that that speaks to what we were saying earlier, the nostalgia level. It, it, it's so much fun to play these games and that game, I, I totally remember it now. Yeah. Um, But damn, dude. Yeah, that that is... It, 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 it takes you back to that place of like, it didn't have to be the best graphics. It was the experience overall. And it didn't have to be like a licensed product. I mean, River Raid, generic name, generic graphics. And I think it was just created by one person. I want to give her, give her a shout out. Um, cause there's, there's, uh, yeah, so it was it was created pretty much because back in the day, you know, it just you didn't take much to create these these games, but you know, Carol Shaw uh, uh, built it, and I just want to give her a shout out because I mean, I, I loved it. I loved it as a kid. It was probably my favorite Atari Twenty Six Hundred game. Um, the only other Atari Twenty Six Hundred game that would have made it on the list was the one that came out in nineteen seventy nine, and that was uh, I think Star Raider, and I love that yep, because it I had like a, do you oh do you remember it came with like a little a uh, little pad like yep. a little different not a controller but like a, a a pad and i was like oh this is so cool it was almost like you were controlling like you're inside the cockpit of the ship and i was like yeah. and that by the way that game would have made my list but it was 1979 so but, but it didn't but it well but river raid still would have been higher to be truthful with you river raid would have always been in this spot no matter what that's a deep cut for a for a high number yeah, dude, and but but it it goes to what you're saying. Like when you're a kid, you also don't have any choice on things. And I do remember that this was just a, a gift that was given to me. So it could have it could have just as easily not landed with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it just yeah. happened to click, and I loved it, and I played the shit out of it. You, it's so weird when we start doing these nostalgic dives, and you just realize that you really had no control when you were a kid. You could ask for things, but you know, it's more like just you got luck if you got it or not. You know. So it, <laughs> totally. And then sometimes you would get lucky and you would get a game that you didn't ask for. And you're like, oh, this is really freaking awesome. And, you know, on, on the Atari 2600, I played shit like Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, that's a classic. That's a great one. But boy, oh, boy, I played the hell out of River Raid. Out of River Raid. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm i going to have to go down. A, I love that on YouTube. You can find these games and find yeah. a playthrough. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And you just watch it. People play through the whole fucking thing. It's great. Yep. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life strange but true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. <laughs> And now, back to the show. Old dude. 
Numero uno, my man. Numero uno. Are we at that time? We are. So sad because this was so much fucking fun, dude. I love oh, these, these, these top eight obscure 80s lists, man. I love them. I love them too. Oh, so much. But uh, this one was tricky. So I am a huge pro wrestling fan, as you well know. Yes. Uh, I've, I've, I've been watching wrestling ever since I was six, seven years old and watched every WrestleMania, WWF, WCW, NWA, my personal favorite, WCCW, AWA. Like my history of wrestling goes back to the 80s. The best time for pro wrestling, in my opinion, 80s, Mm -hmm. early 90s. And there's been a ton of wrestling video games throughout the 80s on every platform, arcade, Sega, Nintendo, and they've had mainstream ones and they've had occasionally ones that you go, I never heard of that game. And this is one of those games Uh, to the point where I had to look it up to confirm the name. Because it's under, it's apparently it's been under different names. Uh, I only know it under one. But quick backstory: because I love obscu- old school wrestling and many different uh, factions or many different territories besides WWF, but you know NWA, Florida, and WCCW, guys like Kerry Von Erich and guys like. Uh, tiger mask in japan and like all like guys that are more obscure to like mainstream fans what about the great muda the great muda is one of my favorite of all times my buddy xare that is his favorite wrestler of all time i think we actually went down a rabbit hole i think the three of us at one point because you're like oh my buddy xare like would know about these guys yeah um and he might know this game i would i would hope he does it's from taito um and this is tricky because I think the year it came out was 1989. It mm. might come on 88, but it's called Champion Wrestler. And what I love about this game is, so there are a myriad of wrestling games that came out in the 80s, right? And they all had like signature moves and you had to do a, a combination with the joystick and the controller, which I was never a fan of. I, was, I always wanted like kind of simple simplicity this had a quest you 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 chose a wrestler from a group of eight and i'm gonna name them rocky gardner miracle rastan uh matterhorn decker the samurai nitro nitro panks black machine jimmy carbon and cobra bloody joe and black machine looked like tiger mask it looked exactly like tiger mask from from uh, New Japan Wrestling. Miracle Rastan looked just like Kerry Von Erich, so I would typically wrestle as one of those two guys. Um, somewhat generic-looking dudes, but like the graphics were really cool. And then it culminated with a cage match, and the gameplay was fairly simple, so people that didn't know how to do a whole lot of fancy tricks with the joystick could could pull off really killer moves. And, you know, you, you wrestled everybody and then you'd wrestle in a tag match and, and you could pick up chairs and hit each, you could go outside the ring and it was simple to do it. You didn't have to like do some weird thing to get outside the ring, which a lot of games, wrestling games made you do, which I always pissed me off. 
Champion Wrestler was so much fun. It was the first game that I was like addicted to. I would go to Tilt after school just to play this game, just to finish this game. I had to finish it, and I think I did it in five dollars. It's actually that's not fun. bad. That's it's actually not bad. I, right? I'm I'm looking at the graphics, dude. Or I'm looking at the the pictures, and I don't recognize it, but the graphics are so much better than pro wrestling for the NES. And it looks like, it oh. looks like this one, I think this one was arcade and then turbo graphics 16. So I do think that the, that the, um, the bit rate was obviously higher than, you know, pro wrestling for the NES, Definitely. which was eight bit, but it's just like, it's only like three years difference. And like the, the, the graphical fidelity is just so light years, but I never played it because I'm not a big wrestler fan, although that being said, because of Luke, I and because of Xair, I ha and now you, I have a lot of close friends that are into wrestling. So I weirdly know a lot about wrestling when I have zero fucks to give about wrestling whatsoever but i always have a good time when i watch it with my friends you know and 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 i always have I've, it was one thing that i did always enjoy doing with luke was watching royal rumble was always my favorite oh, um, it's the best. and and that's yeah. always like my favorite venue or, or, or whatever it's called pay-per-view um, or... pay-per-view type of thing and and then kane was always my favorite it's gotta be kane it's gotta be kane and i, I love kane dude but like the graphics on this thing that you, I'm looking it up while you were talking, graphics are fucking great, bro. They're they, really yeah. beautiful, and I They're like really that. Beautiful. And I like that it's not licensed. Like honestly, I liked pro the game pro wrestling for the NES. It wasn't licensed. They had all these crazy characters that just didn't exist, and I thought they were fucking cool. And I I think that's kind of fun not to be pigeonholed into these licenses, you know? And now you could never have a wrestling game that if it wasn't licensed because no one would fucking buy it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much uh, WWE owns everything, and they're, they're a sinking ship, by the way, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but, you know, this was at a time when uh, I had a friend of mine who from Japan who gave me a copy of his muscle comic book, his manga mm, yeah. comic book. And I'm like, what is this? And then the muscle toys came out. And, and I was like, wait a minute, this is so cool because they're like, they're like new characters outside of this world. And, and I told you in the beginning of the episode that, you know, I would repurpose many of my toys and this game inspired me when I go home, you know, I was 13 at the time, 12 and, and, and I was still playing with my toys because I, I didn't give a shit, but I didn't, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I would, but I kept it to myself. I wouldn't tell yeah. my friends about yeah, it, no, yeah. yeah but I had all these uh, Mar- uh, Marvel Secret War figures and DC Superpower figures, and I'd put little black electrical tape around their wrists or uh-huh. white workout tape around their wrists, and I make masks for them, and I repurpose them into wrestlers, and I have my wrestling ring because their playability was ten times better than the shitty LJN figures that came out from WWF or uh, the, um, the 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 big the solid big... plastic figure thing you guys yeah Yeah, and then they made smaller ones that like had a action that they could do but that's it yeah didn't they make one that kind of like would go on your thumb or something and yeah they had butt wrestlers where you stuck your thumb up their butt yeah that was weird they sucked but but the ljn one like luke i remember luke had a lot of those first off those things were like solid fucking plastic yeah they weighed like a couple pounds yeah you could fucking wallop somebody with that but what we would do is we would set them up on the carpet like a few feet away from us and then we'd take darts and throw it at them and you know pretend 
pretend like we were bounty hunters, like shooting, you know, them or something. Jesus. But, but I do, I do remember Luke having a bunch of those, those guys. Yeah, th- those figures suck. That uh, I mean, they're cool looking, but you couldn't do anything with them. And then, then they upgraded to these lame ass, in my opinion, figures that ha- they they were in a pose, but then they would do a motion, mm-hmm. and they sucked. So I was like, I'm taking these superpowers and these Marvel figures, and I'm making my own thing, and I created my own s- based on Champion Wrestler because I'm looking at these guys and I'm going, okay, these are. These have their own characters, their own names. I'm just going to turn them into these guys. That's cool. You know, which I did. And and then Muscle inspired me too. Muscle figures sucked because they didn't move. Yeah. You know? Same thing. And I, yeah. I, they look cool. Trust me. Yeah. All these figures look cool, but they didn't, they're not playable. They were like, put them on a shelf and look at them. But yeah. that's not what I think toys are for. I think toys are meant to be played with, uh, in my opinion. But, but yeah, dude, Champion Wrestler was huge for me. Huge. And just to this day. Like I've gone on eBay and looked for the cabinets just in case I decide one day to pull the trigger and find it and recreate the glory days of champion wrestler. And it's also, I love the fact that it's like, you know, we, we know what a piece of crap Hulk Hogan is now. And Jimmy Snuka murdered somebody. And, you know, all these guys that we like looked up to back in the day were, were not good. Jake, the snake was a, who who's redeemed himself, but he was a crack addict and, you know, low life at one point. It's like these guys were just characters. You know, mm-hmm. you can't hate on Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, because that, yeah, they, they they can't do any harm because in real because Not they don't exist. People. So yeah, but yeah. wrestlers are real people. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like actors. You look at Mel Gibson now, and you're like, oh, Mel Gibson. I love Mad. Oh, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it, it clouds your your yeah your judgment of them or whatever. But yeah, I I, I think there's a, there's something to be said of value to the fact that they aren't associated with a real person, you know, and you can yes. kind of do anything with them. And like I said, I, I don't even recognize the name or the, the cover art, but looking at the, the sprites and everything and the graphics, it's a beautiful looking game. And I, I'm happy that we have a wrestling game on this list because I mean, wrestling has been in the video game market for as long as video games have been around. So it's kind of cool. Like I'm, I'm happy about that. Like, like wrestling has always been in video game form in some way, shape, or form. So I'm glad you have it on the list. Yeah, I think like wrestling superstars really was the most popular one from that era. So like, uh, was that the SNES one or the Genesis was, one? It or was whatever? the arcade one. Okay, and like it was tag teams, and they yeah. looked cool. The graphics were great for that. Yeah, uh, but I, I will tell you because I know you love the Royal Rumble really quick. Uh, I'll just say the the '80s war game matches from NWA were fire. Like, mm. that you will love that shit where there it's two rings put next to each other with a cage around both rings oh my and with a top on the cage right and it basically comes down to the first team someone in the first one of the teams that submits or says i quit or throws in the towel uh that's when you win the war games wow. and one by one you start with two wrestlers in the ring and then every three minutes or maybe it's less uh one wrestler enters from one side at a time until all eight or 10 are in the ring. And then the war games begin. And so you can't win the match until everybody's in the ring and it's bloody, it's violent. It's, it's intense. And it all also comes down to the commentary, which is on fire. Of course. It's it's (laughs) We'll watch some war games matches when we, when we link up one of these days. And, And like I said, I'm not, I never was a big wrestling fan, 
But I, even when I watched it with Luke, I always enjoy watching it with somebody. I just never went out of my way to watch it. But like if someone invited me over to watch uh, like a WrestleMania or something, and you know, Luke and Xavier can attest to this, like I'm not on my phone or something. Like I will watch it. I will be fully invested into it but when i'm not watching it i don't know anything that's happening and that's kind of like football so like everyone's like oh you're a ravens fan what about this that and another i'm like i, I don't know man like yeah. i i watch ravens when they're on tv but if if I, they're not in front of my eyeballs i'm not going to pay attention to a single thing about football but re, re, but wrestling like i said but wrestling like i will get into it if i'm with some friends it is a lot of fun yeah muda muda had some great matches against rick flair and Muda and, and Ric Flair had some great matches against Ricky Steamboat, which are definitely down the, down the road I will introduce you to. But this nice. is not the wrestling episode. This is the video <laughs> yeah, game episode. It's exactly. So we, I, I am eagerly anticipating knowing what your number one is based on everything we've known up to this point in this episode. I almost think diverse. you can guess it. I almost think you can guess it. No, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a stab because I'll okay. be wrong. I know I will. Okay. All right. Well, you made a note for Bodie based on this game, but this is this game made me fall in love with co-op games. It's a shooter, top-down shooter. We're talking about SNK, 1987, Ikari Warriors, baby. And I, I lined it out. I lined it out on my list because I knew this was going to be on yours. Dude, and yet, dude. And, you know, and I know you know this best. game. I know you know this game. Um, there was an arcade version, which I never played. So I I'm going fully with the NES version. Because and the arcade version's phenomenal. I, I'm, I'm sure it is. Because re-watching, you know, like I said, watching the playthrough videos, the NES version of Akari Warriors looks like fucking trash. But... <laughs> I played the unholy hell out of that game with my friends. I man, I think I, I don't think it was with Luke. I'm not 100% sure. I'm, I'm sure we did play it, but I'm kind of remembering a friend from uh, uh, Roanoke when I would go down to Virginia that I would play a lot with with that kid. I, I kind of don't remember his name because it's been fucking like 35 years. But it, like it was the the game that made me realize oh wow how much fun a co-op game is with friends like this the, the my love for Akari Warriors will will go into Smash TV Total Carnage and then any myriad of top-down shooters that you can have and if it has a co-op you know aspect to it more the better and it all comes from my my love for Akari Warriors and so top down, one or two players, uh, you just basically always moving up, you know, up the screen, attacking and everything, moving forward, fighting other tanks, other other people, people throwing grenades and stuff like that. But you can jump into tanks, you could jump into a helicopter, and the whole time you could keep your friend alive, you could try to keep them alive. But the problem was there was also mega glitches. Like if you got yeah. stuck behind a, a, a boulder and your friend moved the screen forward, you were done. Like you yeah. were fucking done and it was over. And dude, we so many times we would get to the end, like the last stage and you would fucking, you know, you would do a goof like that and you'd, you know, you'd get stuck and it's over and that's it. And that's the glitch. It's done. It's so crazy how glitchy it was, but man, we just kept doing it because like, we've seen multiple times in this episode 
There was nothing else like it at the time. So like you see, you see it now and you're like, oh, okay, that's just like this, that, or another. But when it came out, there was no this, that, or the other. There was just this. And yeah. now I'm a huge SNK fan. They're one of my favorite publishers of all time because I love hand-drawn um, side scrollers and stuff. And I love King of Fighters and everything, but I really love Metal Slug. And, you know... Akari Warriors, not just for me, but will always, I think, have a spot for SNK as being the game that kind of put them on the map. So yeah. we wouldn't have Metal Slug and all that kind of stuff if we didn't have Akari Warriors. And what what are your thoughts, buddy? I know you love Akari Warriors too. Dude, where I where love was it. It, where would it have been on your list? Tell me that. That it definitely would have been on like I'd say four or five. Cause I loved it so much okay. and I love the arcade version specifically, but then I played two and I think there was a part three. I feel like there was a Kari warriors three. It was definitely a part two. Yeah. Uh, and I, I played that version as well. And yeah, it was the closest thing that you got to like a Rambo game, uh, you know, being Stallone or something on screen. And I, I preferred it more than it, it predated Contra. Yeah. So uh, it, 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 for me, it had, a lot more love for that reason. Um, I loved it. Dude, I think you'll really love Alien Syndrome for that reason because oh, it's that top-down game. And dude, I'm sure. I, yeah. I think if you played Alien Syndrome, you'd be like, why why, why was I neglected from this life? Yeah, no. no. Everything about it seems, and you're like, even more so now, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, everything about Alien Syndrome is like, oh, crap, why didn't I play that? That sounds like it was right up my alley. But, like, dude, when Akari I— Akari Warriors is a shiz. And when I saw you do that note for Bodhi as a Kari Wars, I was like, I was like, holy fucking shit, are you serious, man? Like, I yeah. didn't know anyone fucking knew that game besides me, you know? Oh, yeah, dude, I love that game. And so, yeah, so in, in the notes that I make for my son, I not only do the arcade consoles, but I do the characters <laughs> solo. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, yeah, I did the, I forget the names now, uh, but I, I I think I just wrote down Akari Warriors. Yeah. Uh, but they get their arms around each other and they're like doing the peace symbol. <laughs> Something, something cheesy or whatever. Uh, but yeah, dude, that game is so much fun. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's a simple concept. I love that you could jump into the tank or jump into that chopper. And you're right about the glitches. I remember if there was too much stuff going on screen, suddenly every, everybody would slow down. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. You would just be which, like, oh, Which is shit. funny because it would actually, it, when that you wanted that to happen, because when it slowed down, it gave you a second to think and you could like kind of dodge bullets and shit. It's funny. Sometimes you would use glitches to your advantage. True. That's true. That's a very good point, actually. Sometimes glitches came in handy. I think, I'm trying to remember now on the arcade version, I feel like if you got left behind, your player got, your player was dead and then you got, you know, re your new player Respawn would show or up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then you'd be like down a player and like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I, I think the biggest takeaway from, from both of our lists is that graphics are probably the least important factor in creating an awesome video game. I, I will totally agree with you up until wrestling games. Okay. 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 <laughs> because, my only my only takeaway from that was I loved, um, actually the the Sega Master System wrestling game they had was decent, but the graphics sucked, and I just love the graphics for the Champion Wrestler. So, but the gameplay definitely overpowered 
all of that. But yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm like ninety percent yes, ten percent no. No, no, I get it, and, and <laughs> you know, of course, we're we're, we're graphics whores. Like I, I'm not gonna say that it, it doesn't mean nothing, but like compare these old games to games now where it's light years in advance but you're like but you can still pick these games up and play them some of them because because at their core their design is fucking amazing dude totally it really is and i love that these are storytellers these are you know early versions of storytellers in arcade games i know now the games are so phenomenal um I know it's going back a little ways, but I think of games like Skyrim that have like this whole world, you know, or the Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto games where you're just blown away by this universe they've created. But they they were making movies and they were making stories in their own way back in the day yeah, with these yeah, games. They, they, they were doing what they could with the medium. And it's interesting because like, you know, a game comes out now and you're like, oh, it's kind of like this game. Oh, it's kind of like that game. But I feel like back in the 80s, man, at the beginning of this whole, you know, beginning of, of, of the home consoles and all this kind of stuff, there were so many games that were you just couldn't put in a box. You couldn't be like, oh, it's like anything else. It was just, it was, every other fucking game was like a, a groundbreaking thing. It was, yeah. innovation was was fast and furious, you know? And not that it isn't now. Like, it, it, it is amazing. Video games are amazing now but like when you were a kid dude like i was almost gonna include bionic commando on the list because it's one of my favorite video games of oh, all time, i love bionic commando I, I think it's too mainstream and i only admitted it Is because it? i don't i it did come out with a new one a couple years ago or whatever like i think people know bionic commando but like that game was fucking awesome and like at the time there was literally nothing else like it ever that's ever existed and now moving forward if something has a grappling hook you're like oh it's like bionic commando but like at one point in time zach you and i lived in a world where bionic commando didn't exist and then it did you know what i mean like in our world fucking changed i mean Mega Man was that way too yeah. dude like Mega Man came out and you're like wait a minute you get the powers of the guy that you just that's defeated so that's cool. so cool yeah and, and <laughs> you know not even just to mention like and because we're specifically talking about obscure games yeah. let's not mention all the mainstream games that came out in this era where again you were like Mega Man 1 you're like oh my god you get to keep the boss power and you actually yeah. get to choose which ones you go to first like such a cool little tiny little thing creates so much replayability to it you know and it's just it was just a different time man like you look back and you realize how special that time was but you didn't know it then you know it yeah. now you know i think the different a big a big factor of why these games have a level of nostalgia that holds longer is because you couldn't play them forever that's true um yeah. you know you take a, a game like minecraft which uh, i'm not a fan of it but i appreciate it uh, but you can play that game for hours on end. Count you never stop playing it because you're constantly moving around building stuff. And I I get it. Uh, I get why people like that game, but it's just not for me. There was something that era of like, okay, well I got 20 minutes. You know, dinner's coming, and I got to turn the, I got to turn the game off. I can't save my progress. I'm yeah. done. You know, uh, Zelda I think was one of the first games where you could do that, where you could save your progress and you could pick up where you last left off. Shit, Super Mario Brothers three. I think if if that was it, that was it. You couldn't save it. You know, I don't think you could. I'm yeah, trying to remember now. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so either. But yeah. goddamn, that game was so much fun. Yeah, you know, and 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 you wanted to keep playing countless hours on end. 
um, I think the the concept of saving a game was a game changer in a good way. Yeah. But also in a in a loss of a loss of nostalgia because yeah. it was over at that point. You're like, well, I can just save the game. Okay. And I can, and there's I can a just sense of urgency. And, you know? and, you know, to your point, my number seven was Ninja Warriors, a game that I said that I, I never really made it past the first stage. And it's because, like, it's on my list because I just, I, I had, I was like, oh my God, this game is awesome, but I never beat it, you know? And, yeah. and I think there is something to be said about having like limited experience with something and then it just is allowed to grow in your brain into like this mythical thing because i mean even today when i'm watching videos of it it doesn't look as good as my brain remembers it looking you know and 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 even when i'm watching it, i'm like okay that's nice and all but i do remember it being a bit more awesome you know yeah yeah and and then sometimes i have the flip side to that because I go, wow, this is way better than I thought it was. Yeah, you yeah, know? that that happens too. That happens too. But so. Champion Wrestler uh, and 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 uh, Ikari Warriors, I think, are too solid. And it's I really like that we have two distinctly different number ones. Yeah. Easily, I could have done Alien Syndrome for number one, but I'm like, no, I'm gonna push Champion Wrestler That's in there. Cool, but dude. I but love I love it. that they're totally different, and I love that I love that this is. Uh, a, a time capsule because so many games nowadays are are relatively similar similar to each other you know yeah. they've got i know they're they're cinematic movies and all that stuff and that's great it's all good yeah i'm not shitting on it at all but this nostalgic time which we just don't have anymore and in in you can always look back with these rose colored glasses i i mean i'm i have literally you know, the Star Wars arcade game here from 1980 with vector graphics. And then on my PlayStation 4, I play Star Wars Squadrons, which is technically just the the 40-year-later spiritual successor. Pretty much. But, and the, but the graphics are so amazing. You can look around your cockpit and everything. And, 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 you know, it's so realistic and all this and that. You can customize the way your X-Wing looks and all this and that. But there's just something to be said. I... That game will never replace like Rogue's like Squadrons will never replace Star Wars the arcade game because when I pick that game up, my goal is to just go for points and try to do the best run as I can possibly do. And there's just something to be said about the simplicity of that. And I think you're right. It's a snapshot of an era. And I'm honestly glad that we we have this conversation to add to that era. I'm glad we didn't we don't talk about like, you know, the Super Mario Brothers, which we all love, the Contras. We all love that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Zach and I played fucking Super Mario Brothers and Contra and all we the, the all staples. All the staples. But these are the weird, obscure ones that just sat in our hearts. And by the way, Spy Hunter would probably be my number one, like, non-obscure one. It was on my list up until Zero Hour um, because I was like, it's not really obscure, but it, ha- it has so much meaning to me because it was the game that I got my dad, or I asked my dad to, to get the, the Nintendo 4. I re- and, I, and it's weird because I can literally remember the pitch. I literally pitched him. I was like, I want, you know, the, you know for Spy Hunter, because I won't have to spend the money in the arcade. I can play it at home and I can remember buying it and he bought, <laughs> you know, he bought Spy like it was a whole That's thing. Awesome. It was a whole thing, but Spiner's not obscure. You know, we we want to talk about the obscure shit. So It's not, especially yeah. when they're 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 been trying to at- 
get a at movie one point the, the rock yeah. was going to be the lead actor in that movie mm-hmm. so yeah yeah Who so knows? but yeah the, these are the these are the fun ones that just somehow stuck in our heart like for no reason whatsoever ever just because they're fucking awesome and we fucking love them so we may need to do an episode where we talk about our favorite movie tie-in games or our mm-hmm. or the worst movie tie-in yes games. yes that's I, a thing too that's a thing. you know because I the say, predator game might be my number fucking one for that one. Oh boy i, oh. I might go spy versus spy but um but uh but i was going to tell you because you didn't have the pleasure of playing and i highly recommend you check it out on youtube uh the ghostbusters game mm. for the sega master system was so much fun so, and that almost made my list and i left it off because i'm like maybe Corey played this game uh, I I think you should check that one out. That okay. obviously you being one of the gr- biggest Ghostbuster fans I know on this planet, uh, that game was so much fun. And the Sega games, the Rocky Four game was I mean like Sega Master System, uh, often gets overlooked because of Genesis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it it that's my personal fave. So. Can- can I just say a game that I dropped from my list that actually I should have put on it because I thought you were going to have it, so it's a bit of a, a, a fuck-up on my part, was Kid Nicky the Radical Ninja. I love Kid Nicky the Radical Ninja. I left it off. Just didn't make the, just didn't make the cut. Yeah, no, I, I and I remember you did a, a note for Bodhi on that one as well. I, I sure I, did. I was very, uh, I mean, I do, I see all the notes that you make, but I was very into the video game ones that you did because I was like, Akari Warriors, buddy, boy, well, yes. They, it's now, it, it went from, it went from doing notes of like characters that he loved, you know, I was doing like a lot of cars and a lot of Bob the Builder when he was younger and uh, stuff, characters from a lot of shows he, he liked to watch. Paw Patrol, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, then I was I started once he gravitated towards the stuff I was into, more eighties stuff. I was like, yes, now we can go really deep in the eighties. And now I'm doing obscure shit like Action Jackson. To, and he's like, who's I Action know. Jackson? I know, because you've done so many. You're at some point you're like, I I don't know what else to do. I can't. I try not to repeat. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. you're. It's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. But I maybe bring the video games one back, Brody. But maybe start bringing these in. But uh, oh, I, I yeah, was surprised. Tri- I was surprised that there was no Kid Nicky on on your list, my man. Well, the the kid, uh, yeah, and and Kid Icarus almost popped up my oh, up yeah, on my yeah, list too. Yeah, that was kid Icarus one. was great. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and then Attack of the Killer Tomatoes video game did not pop up, but that was a fun game to play. That <laughs> oh, was man. tomatoes. You you are so into tomatoes right now, and you Dude. know what, guys and gals, if you have not listen to our tv obscure episode with the attack of the killer tomatoes um what what else did we do on that one uh i mean <laughs> flash you're like, gordon it, you're like it doesn't matter it was, it was robocop <laughs> well, and it was flash well, gordon it doesn't matter RoboCop because flash gordon yeah. which are which are clearly like notable names in pop culture but attack of the killer tomatoes is 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 like and just watching it again and revisiting it oh yeah it is it is so damn good. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> so damn good. No, I think I mean, Diallo and I we all three agreed that yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was the best of all three of them. So go listen to that episode if, if you want some some context to this discussion. Oh my god, but dude, it, dude, really quick, fun. they they just uh, like I forgot they had this the censor lady on there. You know? So everything's <laughs> nice. like mm, 
that's not good. And then Chad Boy, Chad Boy's gonna like get on a skateboard, you know, to deliver pizzas. And she goes, wait a second, you're not wearing a safety belt. And Chad's like, but I'm riding a skateboard. I've got a helmet and shoulder pads and knee pads. Mm-mm-mm. Wear a seat seat belt. And he's like, okay, fine. And he's wearing a seatbelt on a skateboard. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god, it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Like we said, we need a fucking Blu-ray to to come out for that. Dude, and by the way, so uh, guys bad. and gals, the uh, the Thunder the Barbarian series Blu-ray just dropped today. So yeah. go pick that one up. And uh, yeah, dude. This was a lot of fun, my man. I Likewise. I love our yearly, our annual April. I guess we're going to do them in every April now. We're going to do a top eight something from the 80s. Sure. So we have a year to figure out what next year's is going to be. But uh, don't be surprised if sometime in the next few months we uh, we drop a, a, a 90s one on Patreon too. So because I think Zach and I, I think we have a bunch to talk about there as well. But well, uh, I mean... <laughs> nothing nothing really comes close to narc no nothing does guys and gals go check out narc if you don't know what we're talking about bags narc. of cocaine and heroin <laughs> needles Jesus, guys and blood just gallons so much of blood. blood so much blood so much blood <laughs> oh dude good shit my man good fucking shit bro oh man but you know what doesn't have that much blood two dollar late fee what's what you got going on over there True. pal very true, but we just dropped, by the time this airs, we just dropped uh, yeah. our, our top five, on $2 Late Fee, we just dropped our top five horror soundtracks yeah. episode, which is our pre-ep for our interview with Brad Fidel uh, of Terminator, Terminator 2, Serpent in the Rainbow, Fright Night, Fright Night. of course, yep. number one for me, um, great guy, really interesting dude but yeah uh we just did that one um and then we've got upcoming interviews with jesus garcia which is very different from our patreon one oh, which yeah. we'll talk about in a second yeah, yeah uh, guys and gals uh you know true if he does interviews with sometimes sometimes with the same people that we do or vice versa like we're doing the same interview with someone they had already done already but man every single time they talk about something absolutely completely different so you're not losing out go check out the two dollar lay fee stuff and then also check out ours you'll see that they talk about it's almost like you have a two-hour interview with with one person essentially yeah because sometimes that's kind of the reason why we end up doing an interview on two dollar late fee and podcasting after dark because these these actors are so interesting and they have so much to talk about and there's so much more to talk about i'm like well could we save that for the other show yeah and they're like sure uh, but we just it did an interview with Annabeth Gish from Mystic Pizza yep. and Shag and the Gish, Hiding baby, the Out. Gish. And X Files, most people know and um, um Sons of Anarchy. Uh great, great actor and really cool interview. Uh we're coming up with an interview with uh, uh Bill Allen, the star of the movie Rad. Mm-hmm. We've got an interview coming up with Matthew Barry. Uh, who's from the movie The Wraith, one of my favorite obscure uh, cult movies, and he plays Billy in that. Really cool dude. Uh, anyways, lots of fun stuff. Uh, that's us at $2 Late Fee. Check us out. Give Check us a out. listen. All that good shit. But, you know, I was going to piggyback to Patreon because if you're not a subscriber to Patreon, um, I we encourage you to become a subscriber if you're able to afford it. 
podcast after dark patreon yeah please please yes yes i'm sorry specifically podcasting after dark patreon if you're not a subscriber to podcasting after dark patreon please consider being one uh if you can afford it we know obviously times are tough continue to be tough but if you were able to contribute just a smidge to uh our cause that would be wonderful because we put a lot of effort into doing some unique content on that page um, specifically our interviews after dark with guys like, you know, Jesu Garcia upcoming, uh, Williams, William Sadler upcoming, but already Peter, J- Peter the, Jason upcoming, Peter Jason upcoming, Sean Whalen upcoming. Those are four <laughs> interviews in the can. <laughs> so can. for the next four months guys. And then, and then I'm like, wait, I want to get Tom Bray, the voice of Wilbur Finletter. From- I I want us to get Tom Bray because because of uh, Deep Star Six. You guys just that uh, episode just dropped last week, and uh, Prince of Darkness, and, and also Prince he was on Prince of Darkness as well. But we, I loved him in Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and then so we watched Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the cartoon. And then we reviewed Deep Star Six, and you can hear me. I talk about him like I could hear his character like i can hear him now because and i'm happy i'm happy that we did the the attack of the killer tomatoes cartoon on tv obscura before we did deep star six so that i could hear him as wilbur finletter in in attack of the killer tomatoes yeah and you know he's very much active on social media so i'm i'm like i'm i'm working on it okay okay cool that's awesome i hope we get i hope we get him and right now up up there now we have uh scott valentine you can obviously check that one out and we have about 12 other ones like we're we're pushing a lot but tom matthew steve steven uh jeffries uh you know jonathan stark from from fright night billy cole uh we got um uh jesus christ there's so many we got um John Philbin. John Philbin. We have D- Diane Franklin. We have Mark Ralston, Drake from Aliens. We have Jeanette Goldstein, Vasquez from Aliens. We also have Richard Band, who is a composer, Richard Band. Of uh, Mutant. Of Mutant. I mean, guys and gals. We have a lot of stuff going Zero on vision. over there. And we do hope that, you know, you, you check it out and you, you support our Patreon because we put all the proceeds right back into the show. And we hope that you guys are enjoying it. We hope you guys are loving it. And we hope you guys are loving everything on the BFOP Network. Action, action, talking back, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, and, you know, everything over there. Blast from our past, uh, throwback trivia takedown. So a lot of good shit is coming at you. And uh, we hope you love it. But, you know. It's it's all the weird obscure shit that Zach and I like to dive deep into, you know. So, as always, my man, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Thank you. 
Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.